I, I told you I wasn't ready, Super Don. What are you doing? It's to press and play. Go. Start. This is live. I'm not ready. Anyway, hey, welcome, everybody. The Robert Scott Bell Show is about to begin. A little early. Well, actually, it's no. I'm, I must be a little late. And a lot going on. <laughs> so much going on. Heading to the RSB Family Union in uh, Joplin. Uh, was it Missouri? Yeah. This weekend. And there's a lot happening between now and then and before and after and Super Don knows what I'm talking about. He's like that times 10. Anyway, thanks for being here. We got a great show lined up for you today. Josh Getzko is coming on live from Israel, all the way from Israel. He teaches at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, where I went and studied a little bit of microbiology, interestingly enough. Uh, but we're going to be talking about, well, yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. Not his fault, my fault. <laughs> I'm teasing. And then uh, we got Jeremy, uh, let's see, at, Andrew, I can't read my own writing. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of the things like we talk about with uh, Jonathan Emord, some of the legal stuff, First Amendment stuff, also Second Amendment stuff today. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. A whole lot of healing going on. The Robert Scott Bell Show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. The place for health, freedom, and healing liberty starts right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. You ever not been ready for something? No, of course, never. No, I'm ready. Actually, I just show up and and here we go. I know there's a lot more to it than that. Super Don, it was funny. Yesterday, uh, we had our Health Independence Alliance meeting, and there was a, a, a guest lecturer um, she's a, a, a doctor psychology of some kind, and she was talking, you know, really cool energy stuff. I know how much you love that, like a muscle testing, how, you know, you can be a psychologist and ask questions of people and learn about things. And they'll often try to lie and hide what the, the pain they don't want you to see. But through the muscle testing, we told the body doesn't lie. But she ran us through a couple of exercises with the group, which was interesting. One of them was... Uh, if somebody was supposed to talk, you you paired up in groups. Group A was like, tell them something you love to do and all about it in detail. And the B group, which I was in for the first round, was, all right, be intent for the first 30 seconds. Look in the, look them in the eye, listen, and, and, and then after 30 seconds, start drifting. Start looking at your watch. If you have a watch or your phone, look around the room and kind of distance that interest and see what happens kind of thing. So neither of us knew what we were doing in terms of A or B other than what I was and it was an interesting experiment because as he was telling me about the guy I was hanging out with Frisbees, he was all into Frisbees. It was really cool. And I was interested. And then suddenly I showed no interest. And suddenly he was like, uh, th th he, it was hard for him to communicate something he was even passionate <laughs> about. Okay. And, and, and I found that was fascinating because it was about, you know, the energy exchange in listening, the ability to actually be present and engaged when somebody's communicating with you versus when they're off daydreaming and you're like, uh, you're, it, it impacts the ability of the person communicating to communicate. It's fascinating. And I'm then sorry. The, what were you saying? Exactly. And oh. then, and then the next, the next test, they did a, a kind of a role reversal in a sense. And you know, you, you don't know what the other instructions are, but as groupie, I was supposed to talk about someone who I admire and why I admire them and all of that. And 
And uh, uh, at first they were engaged and then they start distracting by telling them all about how it impacts them, right? It's all about me kind of thing. So what did I, who did I choose to talk about? Uh, me. Yes, I did. Really? Superdon, you were the guy. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I admire that. No, I'm serious. <clears throat> yeah, it, even though it was like a fun little thing, I was like, who do I, I admire Superdon. And, and it was like, the love and appreciate your critical thinking skills, you know, and so much, you know, calling me out on things, not let me get away with stuff. All I think of that. I'm and, blushing. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, you should blush. Anyway, it was just kind of funny, but it was in, in that moment, not that I don't appreciate you because I do, but it was like, cool. Cause it's like, yeah, I genuinely do appreciate and admire you for all that you do and what you are capable of. And, and, you know, hanging out with this guy, me for all these years, it's pretty amazing. And, and so it, wow. the problem was, Halfway through, as I'm telling him this, his gro- his role was apparently to take it and go, oh, yeah, producers. I know about producers. And, not, and start talking about himself in relation to producers. And I'm oh. like, I'm, I'm talking about Super Don here. Come on. Anyway, really? Yeah. So he, yeah. He, he has a problem with producers or something? Well, I don't know if he made it up or if it was just something he had experience with. But it was I rather, need to give this guy a call or something? Yeah, you uh, need to talk to this guy. Yeah? Okay. And, and, but I think at one point <laughs> he says, so what you're telling me is that you – all you have to do is turn on the microphone, show up, and and the show happens. I was like, yeah, that's super Don. It's that good. He's that good. Uh, so it was just well, one of those don't funny don't discount yourself though, because mm-hmm. you know it takes a lot more than a microphone to be a good uh, talk show host. So he has more than a microphone. You're a natural. I thought, I, I thought it was this RE20 that did this. Now you are a natural. Yes. A shout out to you've Roadcaster. only been doing it for 24 years. You know? Yeah, I ought to be at least semi-competent by now. Um, the Roadcaster people, remember we got, thanks to a generous donations and the patrons that support the show, we were able to upgrade our, our uh, inter- interactive, what do you call them, mixing boards kind our of thing. Moody, our studio gear. Yes, exactly. Yes. And and Jonathan Emore donated that for you. And we have the same board, but for some reason, the power supply on mine just crapped out last week or something. There it is. Yeah, that's the Roadcaster Pro 2. And mine just stopped working. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I had to go back and find out when I got it, where I got it, all that. And I sent them the information and they're like, send it in. So I sent it to them. And like a week later, they sent me back a brand new board. It was less than a week. Less than a week. I yeah, mean, that was very, less than a week for sure. So props on that. That's not what I intended to talk about. But I have to acknowledge when a company has amazing customer service and backs up their product. Uh, so well done, Roadcaster. You did a great job. Uh, now, uh as far as today's show, now that maybe I can be present with what we're doing, <laughs> as I was sharing with you about my experiences. Yes. Um, House Republic. Well, I'm going to get to that. Uh, Josh Getzko is going to join us from Israel. And, it, you know, it's fascinating. This guy, Ph.D. level, he teaches at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, as well as uh, I found out chatting with him before the show that he was the fact checker on the documentary film that we did in it called Utah Safe and Effective. Yeah, and you all can go to utahsafeandeffective.org. I mean, uh, that, and he was asked to by another PhD, my friend Gopi, who uh, is amazingly smart. And he says, I, you know, I need a fact checker. I'm like, you're a PhD, you need a fact checker? All right, go to this guy. So it's kind of interesting how this goes full circle. And he's connected us through uh, Kevin Tuttle, who didn't know that connection. Anyway, so this is wild. This is really cool. So we got a lot of fun stuff to do. In that I think it's the that. first time we've ever had a fact checker on this show. 
Yeah, well, that's true. Normally, the fact checkers... We haven't had uh, good things to say about fact checkers in the past. Right. I, I have a sense this fact checker is going to be a little bit different than others we've heard about and read about. Right. Uh, it's my sense about it. I could be wrong, but my sense about it. Oh, and by the way, uh, Utah Safe and Effective, the film, is going to... Uh, there's going to be a showing or a screening at an independent theater in Salt Lake City uh, a week from yesterday. So Tuesday, <clears throat> that would be... Uh, let's see. I think I forwarded you that email, Super D. I apologize. Let me see if I could find it here. Uh, and for those of you who do listen in the Salt Lake City or Utah region, Tuesday evening, July 18th, 7 p.m. at the Broadway Center Cinemas in downtown Salt Lake City, 7 o'clock. There's going to be a screening of uh, Utah Safe and Effective and uh, a Q&A panel discussion afterwards. So what happened to your camera? I was looking at your hand and your ring. Oh, did it fall down? Oh, look yeah. at that. Hey, hi. You got a different hi. view of Super Don. You know what? I, I, yeah. I'm glad you were wearing pants. Let me just say I that. I know, right? Hey, that could have been <laughs> that, scary right oh there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was rough. By the way, I, I told the story a little bit uh, uh, about what you did yesterday on the show as we were talking about uh, paper remedies. Oh, I still have it right here. Homeopathic paper remedies. So, yeah. anyway, you guys, dude. This is, this is, again, why I appreciate Super Don and admire him so much. As we're talking about the paper remedy, he's writing down, a, I think, is a remedy, right? Because uh, we're talking about how you can write a homeopathic remedy down and whatever, fold it in your pocket, and you have it like you're taking it, actually. And so I asked him what he did, and he wrote down coffee enema. So technically, he says, I've done now a coffee enema, a paper That's coffee right. enema, so you can leave me dude, alone. I will that. never miss an opportunity <laughs> to uh, game the system. <clears throat> That's just so how bad. I roll. I don't know, man. I, maybe I should take back my admiration for you. But no, that was pretty impressive and funny. Uh, my wife was telling me how she was laughing through the whole show yesterday. I thought I thought we did a serious show yesterday, and she was laughing the whole time. I'm like, that's horrible. Actually, that's great. If you know how serious stuff is out there, to find time to laugh, oh, my gosh. That, for me, that's the happiest I, I, I feel after a show when my wife says, yeah, I laughed a lot. I'm like, ah. Ah, that's the best because we do cover serious topics and we will today as well. But to find the funny in, in, in even some of the most serious things in life is just so important and it helps me keep going. Now, I don't know what's funny about this, but House Republicans want political payback for COVID vaccine mandates for the troops. But apparently the White House is refusing to back down. Now, Look, I, I, we don't claim to be Republicans, Democrats, or officially libertarians, even though we lean conservative libertarian here. And I am not under any illusion that this is not opportunistic for many Republican establishment people, politicians. But at the same time, I will acknowledge that, okay, this is what we're dealing with on its face. It's a good thing somebody's pushing back and going, dude, you guys and gals in the Republican, I'm sorry, the Democrat Party and the Biden administration were wrong for everything that you did constitutionally and otherwise, enforcing these mandates down the throats of the American people, whether they be in the military or whether they be private contractors for a government or whether it be corporations larger than 100 employees. Remember, we talked about that and what they did there. All of it was patently and blatantly unconstitutional criminal, I would argue. And, and somebody's got to push back on it. And this is, of course, the danger of a one-party rule. I don't want, uh, you know, Republicans to rule everything either any more than I want Democrats to rule. I want push and pull. Now, right now, the Republicans are far more in the right, and I don't mean right versus left, I mean right versus wrong, on many of these constitutional issues of bodily autonomy, personal freedom, and freedom of speech. 
but I'm, I, you know, I, again, I don't give them a pass for when it's, like I said, politically expedient to just do things to win, uh, you know, political points. But the White House is just digging its hole deeper. It's going to defend the fallout from the Pentagon's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. It's an emergency use authorization shot. And you're telling me you could force you could force that on people who don't want it, whether it be due to medical, religious, philosophical, or any reason at all? That seems to me a fundamental violation of what we call the Nuremberg Code. There's no informed consent, consent at all. And remember, informed consent in its full uh, expression includes your freedom to say no and not have a consequence to that other than the perceived consequence of, oh, you didn't get the shot, so that's your risk. But many people believe informed consent is like, well, well, we told you all we needed to tell you about it. Now you have to say yes or else and you have consequences. No, that is not informed consent. So the Biden administration blasted House Republicans for trying to speed the reinstatement of troops who refused the shot. I'll hazard a guess, Super Don, that they would change their tune if the troops uh, proclaimed to be women instead of men, right? <laughs> and the men that were kicked out for not getting the shot, if they say, no, 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 now we're women, we're trans, whatever, now, okay, the Biden, oh, yeah, come right back in because we love effeminate soldiers because that's what we need to win wars if we need to engage in wars. Hmm. And this is not to say women aren't capable of of amazing things. I, you know, my mom was in the Israeli army. Boy, you are just yeah. setting what? yourself up here. Okay, go no. ahead. No, look, uh, women could be in the <clears throat> army, whatever, if they want. But th- the point is here: if you feminize, haven't you ever seen the movie GI Jane? Yes, but that was that was a Hollywood version, and she was wearing fake breasts, which probably know? was not actually good for her. Wait other a than wait, what are you talking? What? The the star of that movie, G.I. Jane? Yeah. What was her name? Demi Moore? Demi Moore, yeah. She had breast implants. And, you know, that <laughs> made her a more marketable Hollywood store, star, but not a greater soldier. How do you know soldier. this? Dude, don't you remember if you saw her in the movie, um, gosh, one of those. No, I don't remember. Dude, I, about, I think it was about How did you become night. an expert on Demi Moore's breasts? I, I This I need to know. Look, if you... Grew up when we grew up, and you saw Demi Moore in movies before yeah. and after. Okay, there is no. She didn't just blossom in a in her twenties. I guess I just didn't puberty. notice. <sighs> Interesting. You didn't notice. I didn't okay. notice. All right. All right. You Super did. Don. I, you're lying. You are so lying no, right now. I, I was not <laughs> focused on Demi Moore's breasts as I was growing up. They weren't real, is the point. And. Here's the point. You are not a better soldier when you're carrying around big uh, uh How do you know? Mammaries. You, you don't know that. Okay, let's talk to you big breasted women and 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 have them tell you about how uh easy it is for them to to, you know, crawl under barbed wire through the mud with giant hooters. Hooters? Hooters. I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm in the right here. What show is this? What, what, what's going on here? More than right, 8,000 anyway. active duty service members were kicked out for refusing to get jabbed, injected, etc. Um, go, go ahead, Biden. Keep it up, and you Democrats will be run out of the rail if the elections are actually counted appropriately or properly. Uh, with that, let's go on to some more serious matters here and welcome our first guest this hour, and he's the first time here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Josh Getzko. All the way from Israel, Josh. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you, thank you. Uh, 
Demi Moore's breast is a hard act to follow. I got to say you're thinking at this point, why did I agree to be on this show? What show is this? I'm calling Kevin Tuttle. What is this? Uh, anyway, we, we got to get your backstory and, and, uh, uh, you, you're a good sport for, uh, coming on board here, especially after that opening monologue. I don't know what that was, uh, but, uh, your, mo- your background and backstory and CV and all that is very impressive. Senior lecturer in sociology and criminology at the Hebrew university of Jerusalem. You earned a master's and a PhD in sociology at Princeton. Good Lord. And then was a postdoctoral fellow in health policy at Harvard university. I mean, a little bit of an overachiever, I think. And, <laughs> and, and yet, um, I would say when it comes to health policy, because uh, most health policy is rooted in collectivism, it's pretty much wrong other than sanitation, sewage, hygiene, and nutrition. I can go with that. Yeah, well, you know, they've overplayed their hand. They've really um, become extremely heavy, heavy handed in the way that they try to conduct public health, right? There's a, there's a, there's a balance and there is a room, I think, for having us come together and work towards the collective good. But when we really start to encroach on people's liberties in a very, you know, strong way, that's, that's when things, uh, you know, go bad. Right. Well, that greater good concept, again, superficially, it sounds, yeah, the greater good, the best for the most, but if it means sacrificing your child or my child, you know, this is where we get in the greater good of, of the collectivism and vaccinology, right? Everybody has to get it in order for it to work. Well, whatever happened to it works or it doesn't in the individual. You mean right. my shot doesn't work unless everybody else gets theirs. Okay. That's a little bit strange. And I don't think can be backed up by any sound scientific principle, much less investigation to go. Well, the miracle of this shot is that it only works when everybody else gets the same shot. Right. And historically, there's been a, you know, <clears throat> uh, a shift in the in the goalposts, right? So, it, you know, it started out at, a, you know, 60%. Well, that wasn't enough. So that's 70, 80, you know, and it just keeps going up and up. And it's like, well, maybe you guys just have it wrong from the get-go and you have to re- revisit your first principles, but. <laughs> yeah. And what, and what are they? Have they been abandoned? I mean, was there a, a time in your uh, it, let's say educational experience going all the way to the PhD level where you saw and expected, and it was kind of normal to have some kind of level of intellectual integrity in science. And that questioning wasn't anti-science for instance, where it's become that now in terms of the mainstream science, if you question it, you're against science. Um, it seems that way. It definitely seems that things have gotten worse. I mean, if you look <clears throat> in history, there have been plenty of examples of, people who have questioned the received wisdom of, you know, whatever the current consensus was in science who have been, you know, outcast and that sort of thing. But it definitely seems like it's taking on a much increased intensity. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like censorship and suppression of scientific uh, questioning is like on steroids now. Um, And it's very troubling. It seems like industry uh, and moneyed interests have really inserted themselves in a very strong way into the scientific process uh, in many, many fields. Mm -hmm. Now, we social scientists, generally, they tend to leave us alone. and And it's kind of hard for us to understand and recognize just how seriously big, large corporations and and the government have stepped in. 
to to kind of rig science, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And, and I don't I don't say that it's not a metaphor. I mean, they really right. uh, destroyed uh, the science, the institution of science. Right, and and you know they claim Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Jr. is destroying faith in science and institutions. I'm like, are you supposed to have faith in it? That sounds like a religious term to describe describe something that doesn't uh, correspond necessarily. And Josh, I got to ask you, what's the difference between a social scientist and a social distancing scientist? <laughs> uh, the well, during COVID, not much. They were pretty <laughs> much one and the same. And and one of the big disappointments for me over the last few years has been to see very, very, you know, people who are usually very critical of uh, power and uh, corporations and all kinds of things like that, just sleepwalking through this entire thing and accepting everything um, that was handed down to us. Many of my colleagues, people in my fields and related fields, just by just a massive, overwhelming majority just accepted everything. And for me, it was very, very disheartening. Well, and that's what made me embarrassed for so-called scientists and doctors, PhDs, MDs, that they either, you know, went along. Maybe I guess you can talk about economic conflicts of interest in science. I think that's another part of the loss of integrity when your your um, the money coming in, the grants, et cetera, are dependent upon what you study in this box, for instance, as opposed to that you're. Uh, bring in the scientific method to it to prove or disprove something or to learn about principles that we don't know much about or, you know, anything that it would seem to make sense to even a person who's not a scientist to go, oh, yeah, I, I think that that's really what it's all about, learning about how to learn about the world we live in and, and explain it and maybe uh, identify facts that fit together with other facts to make sense of right. something that seemed to be a mystery. And, you know, the, the thing is that most scientists do that. And, and, and they, they mean well, but, but they've, until you step over the line, you don't realize just how controlled things are. And so, for example, I started a, a research project with some colleagues in 2019. We were studying uh, censorship and suppression of scientists who raised questions about the safety of vaccines. We published a couple of papers on that. And it was interesting because some of the people that we interviewed, not everybody, but some of them were just very mainstream scientists doing their thing. And then they sort of stumbled on some finding that raised some questions about the potential safety of vaccines or some certain vaccines. And, and, and then everything just took a hard turn in their careers. Um, they were censored. They had papers retracted, um, all kinds of things and then we continued that uh, and looked at people who questioned the conventional wisdom on COVID, and we interviewed scientists from all around the world. Again, many of whom, like Peter McCulloch is a perfect example of that. This is a straight shooter, top of his field. And then, you know, I the, the, the name of this paper is called, uh, it's about sci- scientific heterodoxy, right? When you go against the orthodoxy. <clears throat> and I talked to him, he said, this isn't... <laughs> They're, I'm doing the orthodoxy. What they're doing is a heterodoxy, right? Like what I'm doing is what you're supposed to do. This is real science. This is how science is supposed to do. I don't know what all of that other stuff is. It's complete nonsense. Well, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really sad state of, state of affairs and, and something that seems to be getting worse and expanding, right? You mm-hmm. know, to all kinds of different questions and Oh, and, 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 other, and, you're, you know, in, and you're in Israel. You married yeah. an Israeli woman. You moved there. And 
you know, very high level science going on for years, yeah. very advanced that the culture, yeah. the community, every, everywhere, the universities. And yet I saw, and we reported on the people, maybe not all the people of Israel, but the government certainly abandoned, I believe that high scientific principle and ideal and just sold out to Pfizer, for instance, and got everybody jabbed or told everybody had to be. And if not, you know, they, they were going to be marked I, weirdly enough, it's like, did you remember anything of what happened in the 20th century to Jewish people in Germany? You know, we're going to give you a, a, a kind of something aware so we know whether you've gotten the jab or not. We have a section for jab people. And I mean, how do how does a culture that has such a recent history of nearly being abolished from Earth forget that so quickly? I have no clue. I have no idea. I mean, it was a shock to me. It was a complete shock to me to see people. Uh, just follow that lockstep logic. And I, you know, I people I talk with that I view as being very, very smart and intelligent, and they just didn't really see the equivalence or any kind of similarity to, similarity at all. Um, and it's, you know, one of the, the Nazi tropes about the Jews was that they were disease, disease spreaders, and, you know, they were dangerous because of typhoid and stuff like that. And so here, you know, you're just like the same sort of thing. And, and the, the policies in Israel are much more heavy handed than, than in the U.S. in terms of re most places in the U.S. anyway, in terms of requirements, in terms of people getting fired because they didn't want to get jabbed. And, you know, what we're finding out now about the safety and some of the work that I've done on the safety and and the other things, right, like this big uh, bait and switch uh, that is recently uh, come into focus uh, of the Pfizer vaccines, um, it just shows just how absurd and and wrong and and really downright evil this whole uh, forced uh, vaccine program has been. Oh yeah, it's just a. There are people, there are good people out there in the scientific field, and I believe you're one of them as well. And, and as I'm learning more about you, I mean, I dig it. I like you. And uh, one of our friends, James Lyons Weiler, Dr. Jack, has the IPAC-EDU.org, uh, and he's doing great things, I think, in revitalizing yes. scientific methodology and integrity, uh, yes. not not conflicted with interest, economic or otherwise, but seriously, the high ideals of people that go into the sciences is like, I just want to know. You know, it wasn't like I want to be a rock star and be claiming I am the science. You know, right. I, I guess there are those in science that could be ego driven to publish and say, look how much I publish. But, you know, I, I give props to people that reach that high bar. You mentioned uh, uh, McCullough. I don't know if there's another cardiologist on the planet that's been published as much as him. Uh, at the same time, he acknowledges it and is probably proud of it, too. He has the uh, integrity to say, you know what? I was wrong. I didn't know. And, and, and if what I now know helps even one person, I'm willing, cause people ask him, Oh, how are you willing to speak out on this? Now you're not, you know, welcome in all your, your clubs he used to be in. And it's like his concern is compassion for humanity and the fellow, you know, humans, men, women, and children uh, is commendable and laudable. And I wish that, well, all humans wouldn't abandon that much less the scientific community because they have uniquely the power to destroy through their discoveries as well. You know, yeah. when done without conscience, when done without connection to, I believe, the spiritual, the divine, maybe it's a lack of a better way to say the religious, but I don't mean 501c3 church. That's not what I'm saying, but kind of get what I'm saying, maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we see the disastrous consequences of that kind of disconnection and downright arrogance, uh, you know, 
Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you connected with uh, Gopi and and was able to fact check the Utah Safe and Effective documentary that's still available for free online around the world. You can watch it anywhere. UtahSafeandEffective.org. Uh, and also uh, maybe disabuse Super Don, my producer, uh, that all fact checkers are uh, numbskulls that have no intelligence at all. Okay. Um well, Gopi, I actually met Gopi before all of this started, I think back in like 2016, 2017, just on some forum message board, and we kind of stayed loosely in touch. Um, and, you know, when all this, this started going down, I wrote this paper for Children's Health. I, I wrote, published an article on adverse events from VARES uh, for Children's Health Defense, which let me just say, you know, this was... Fall, I think, well, summer, fall of 2021. And, and basically what I did was I took the CDC's methodology for looking at, for, for finding safety signals in VAERS. Mm -hmm. And I applied that methodology and basically found tons of safety signals that according to the CDC, they were looking for them and they should have found them. So I said, well, what's going on here? And I talked with the CDC, uh, the people at the CHD, Children's Health Defense, the legal team. I said, why don't we FOIA the, C the, the CDC for the, these results that they were supposed to be doing every week, the, the safety signal? And then we, they eventually got back to us in the spring of 2022 and said, we, we weren't doing that. We didn't do, we promised Congress and we have this paper that says we're going to be doing this safety signal analysis. We didn't do it. And then right after they wrote us that letter, they started doing it. <laughs> and somebody, uh, a reporter from the Epoch Times, uh, Zach Steber, got a hold of the safety signal analysis they finally did like a year and a half after they said they were going to do it, a year and a half after the jabs were rolled out. And it's off the charts. They have 770 safety signals based on hundreds of thousands of reports Using their own methodology, they have these these safety signals. Very concerning things, right? You know, I mean, I don't think I don't think I need to educate this audience of all the horrible kinds of side effects are coming from these vaccines, and 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 the CDC has kept this secret. Okay, they didn't. They haven't acknowledged it. They never publicized it. Meanwhile, about the same time that this came out in December, they were trumpeting this finding of a potential safety signal for one different, one type of stroke from these new bivalent boosters. And um, meanwhile, on this other safety signal analysis that they did from the original vaccines, there were 26 different type, types of stroke that were showing safety signals. So, you know, um, okay, so that, this, this is just insane what, what, what's, you know, the, 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 the sheer mendacity Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, I, hey, for, for those well, of you going, I'm disappointed. He doesn't know whatever word he's looking for. It's after 10 PM where yeah, he right. is. It's night. I, my, I would, my brain would be asleep already. So don't, right. don't sweat it at all. The uh, longer I'm in Israel, the worse my English gets, but my Hebrew isn't getting much better either. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> malfeasance, that's the okay. word I'm looking for. Good word. Okay. So yeah. that, that was a little bit of an aside talking. So after I wrote that, Gopi got in touch with me. And so we were kind of in touch around this. And then he made this movie. And he knows he's been following. He follows my Substack. He follows me. So he knows that I'm kind of 
I try to stay on top of a lot of things. And I'm very fastidious about making sure that we're, the things that we say, that our side says mm -hmm. uh, is accurate. So, you know, um, so he asked me to look at this and see if I could see anything that I thought was inaccurate. There were a few things. I mean, Gopi's really smart, but, you know, the, mm -hmm. there were there were a few things that I, I that I pointed out. Nothing major, but um, so I, I was a fact checker in that sense. But I was, you know, on, on this on the on the right side of things. It wasn't. Well, Just, how would you describe what you did as a fact checker for the film Utah Safe and Effective uh, and a fact checker like they claim, whether it be social media or right. others in the media claim, this was fact checked. Da, da, da. What do you think the distinct differences in what your endeavor was to fact check and what you see out there in that larger world of what they call fact checking? Right. Well, that's a great question. I think my role was to try to make sure that there was nothing in a sense, I was trying to 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 make sure there was nothing that the fact checkers could could pick out and say, ah, this is wrong. Because what they do is they they try to find one thing, they can find one thing that they can even just shed, throw a little bit of doubt on, then then everything else that you've said can't you know is is wrong, right? So uh, they can just dismiss everything if they find one little thing that's just a little bit off, mm -hmm. and that's their goal is to basically throw you know, doubt and uh, on everything so that you, you can make a claim and then somebody will, um, will, will, will go and do a fact, look for the, what, you know, Google it and the fact checkers will say, well, that's wrong, but they're, but is, they're, is, they're it, is that like dismissing something on a technicality and is it possible as a formerly trained scientist in, in your endeavor in this lifetime to, actually find something, you know, a minutiae, something detailed that was wrong, but still the larger conclusion is not necessarily affected or destroyed right. by it. Right. In a sense, what I was doing was peer review, right? So a lot of peer review is not like, well, I can find one thing wrong with your paper and therefore you're, it's rejected and I, and you could be dismissed. It's like, here's a, here's an issue, fix it, take care of it, make your argument stronger. So that, you know, I was trying to help rather than mm -hmm. trying to, you know, throw, throw water on, on what, what you guys were doing there with that wonderful. Right. And, and I appreciate, I appreciate the distinction and, and your willingness to try and communicate it because as I said, these folks are, 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 are I think disingenuous. They're not really looking yes. for no. fact. They're just looking for ways to destroy and discredit, even if there's validity to what's there, yes. they just want to take one yes. thing and then smear Absolutely. everything. I want Absolutely. to jump ahead to hour two with you right now. Super Don, I apologize because this 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 so-called study that was going to be published it got retracted before it could be published uh, pre-publication. This is a Lancet study on COVID vaccine autopsy. So here we go, fact checking you. I got okay, <laughs> help help me out here. What this it in fact is? It wasn't a Lancet study. It was a it was a preprint that was uploaded preprint. to what's called Lancet preprints. So preprints are now you know they become a very popular thing in show, science. Show the super science, Don. show that that website where we're getting this from. It's from the dailyskeptic.org uh where it's headline right. Lancet study. I'm gonna so again so we're suspicious automatically. I, I I have a bit of a bias. I acknowledge that the moment you dismiss something that's counter to the narrative that it automatically means it's not a real fact check versus, hey, there are genuine problems with this study before it is even published and it's not a published study. Right. What is your assessment based on what we're reading so far? Can you right. shed some light on it? Well, so a preprint server is I, I, I've written this paper and now I want to share it with the world and I don't want to have to wait until 
it goes through the whole peer review process. So I'm going to post it here on this preprint server. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it through the peer review process. It will change as a result of that process and eventually hopefully be published in a journal. But in the meantime, people have that information and they can do with it what they want. And preprint servers allow you to post comments about it and that sort of thing. They're not really supposed to be about um, judging whether the, the results or the research is accurate or not. It's just mm-hmm. a way for scientists to share with each other the sort of research that's hot off, hot, off, you know, hot, hot, hot out of the oven, fresh out Pre- of the oven. Preliminary results, perhaps. But you're and, saying that and, and, this and is- they don't have they're not supposed to have a peer review function. Right. Okay. They're not supposed to be able to say, well, this these results don't hold up. And therefore, um, you know, therefore, we, we, we're not going to put this on our preprint server. That's not the purpose of preprint servers. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, so so basically. Um, the the pre the Lancet runs their pre they they run their preprint servers off of this other preprint thing called SSRN Social Science Research Next Network doesn't really matter. There is some kind of um, there's supposed to be at least some kind of a filtering process where somebody you submit it to the preprint server it doesn't just go up automatically. There is some review of it of like is does this fit what we're doing is this does this is this just seem totally a, like a crackpot thing or mm-hmm. does this seem like legitimate right and um so that it had already gone through whatever that filtering was okay, okay? and and then the shit hit the fan and and then they're like oh okay we got to take this down and this is this is happening a lot then this didn't used to happen Okay, this didn't used to happen. And it's interesting, actually, that you're talking about this today because. Mm. um, uh, Okay, now I'm now I might be mixing up his name, Christian Drosten or Christian Anderson. One of these guys, one of these virologists, I think is German, who was involved in um, some of this early work trying to cover up whatever, you know, lab origins of Mm -hmm. the SARS-CoV-2. So he was being grilled today in. So today or yesterday in the House of Representatives by a congressional committee, and one of and they got access to this like the Slack server and all these internal communications, and he's he was basically saying uh, we need to start uh, be, like I forget the exact words that he said, but we need to basically start censoring the preprint servers. Wow. Um, because We're worried about these this, things are leaking out and then people are making headlines about them. And it did. Exactly. Yeah. And it was yeah. specifically in relation to a, a study written in February of 2020, or maybe it was January that was put up on a preprint server that showed these inserts, these H these inserts from HIV into, or what looked like inserts because of the mm. whatever various aspects of it into the SARS-CoV-2 genome. Um, and they're like, this, these didn't get here by accident, basically was the conclusion of I the I remember paper. that, yes. And then it was taken down off this preprint. The, the people, like, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. There was some kind of pressure applied. But, but in this study that I did of, of, of censorship in the COVID era, or that I did with my colleagues, um, this was something that came up more than once. And there's a, just to give you an example, um, there's a great, there's a brilliant professor in the UK called, uh, Norman Fenton and his colleagues, uh, Martin, I mean, they're going to kill me if I, if I get their names wrong. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's, it's the lights. Um, 
stage light fright, um, Martin Neal and Scott McLaughlin, and they had they were publishing stuff early on that was kind of not really counter narrative. And the moment they started publishing stuff that was a little bit off, they couldn't get anything on preprint servers. They couldn't get anything published. Um, and a lot of people, other people we talked to had, had similar types of problems. So there's like, not only are you, do you have this huge, enormous um, double standard in getting your research published, there's now this enormous double standard in just putting your research up on a server to share with people without even being peer reviewed. And you're right, the moment it gets taken down, it completely discredits it, it completely discredits it. Well, the narrative is such that, hey, see, it was removed from a preprint. Uh, I think this is also um, the gatekeepers realizing that it's not enough to stop that which has been peer-reviewed and published to get it retracted. Now they want to stop something from even making the light of day before it gets yes. fully peer-reviewed for potentially yeah. where it leads people to go, oh, this is interesting. Right. Let me follow yeah, that thread. Yes, absolutely. And there's this website called ResearchGate, which isn't even like a preprint server. It's just a place for you to go and put your, any of your papers or research on that's been published, not published, whatever. And there are people who are having their account canceled on that. They're having their papers taken down on that. Um, you know, people like uh, Denis Rancourt from, from Canada and others. Uh, so it's, a, you know, it's part of this whole censorship. This the, Now they're calling it, we're calling it the censorship industrial complex, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, uh, social media is a big part of it, a huge part of it, but it's not the only thing. And there's just very deep uh, yeah. levels of censorship in academia now and, and scientific publication. The, the CIC is a denomination of the CIA, perhaps, right? Censorship industrial complex. So right. uh, it, well, they definitely shown, you know, they show they have, you know, it's all from the Twitter files and they show, you know, these people from the CIA CC'd on these emails. So we know that they're involved in this and anybody who knows anything about how the world really works knows they're involved in this. But yeah. That's another well, and we, I've featured over the years, you know, 24 years of broadcasting now, uh, many, uh, really amazing scientist of, of integrity, great integrity. Christopher actually comes to mind out of uh, England, uh, Professor Peter Duesberg, uh, Harvey Bialy. Uh, you know, these are like, man, I don't think I'd hold a candle to them and what they know, but I've, I've loved engaging with them on some of these things. And yet they have been uh, attacked and denigrated and ad hominem attacked simply for uh, pointing out inconvenient facts that uh, destroy uh, utterly, if not chip away at the edges of a certain uh, inside the box narrative that cannot be uh, diminished for lack, you know, then the, the, the loss of control or profitability of a certain uh, belief system enforced uh, by the religion of science, scientism or sci-fiantism as Liam Sheff, my dear departed friend who wrote official stories talked about it as it's science fiction even. Uh, so we're at a, a very interesting uh, crossroads perhaps and COVID has, has spotlighted it more than anything else. Even as I was, the renegade for pointing these things out for so many decades. Now I'm like, I'm one of many, which I'm, it's great. I'm like welcoming everybody here into the fold, but you uh, again had to also come up within it and see it and then speak out uh, about it, perhaps against it. Now I've got your uh, uh, sub stack here. What is uh Jackanapes? I love that word. You just made okay. that up. I have to, I have to change that. It's Jackanapes and uh, it's, yeah. It basically means somebody who's um, um, challenges authority. That's and actually a word I didn't know. Jack way. Not, and not hmm. only, not always in the same, in the most polite way. Yeah, in your face, buddy. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Jack and Apes Junction. 
Uh, yeah. And it's Jack and Apes. Dot, and I was teasing about Jack and Apes. I had to give a little oh, okay. uh, foreign pronouncement. But uh, right. uh, it's like I was thinking of jackalopes or something like or, that. Or, or ca canapes. Canapes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But those of you who want to check out his Substack, there's a lot of great stuff written there, including uh, an uh, article here about CDC finally releasing its VAR safety monitoring analysis. We were talking a little bit about that already. And uh, this, uh, I don't know how they came up with this word, comernity, to describe one of these, yeah. uh, you know, the approved version that they claim to have gotten that's fully licensed by FDA, and you call it comernity or comernaughty, right. <laughs> naughty, little Britishism there. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, the question about comernity, and I pointed this out, that it wasn't available anywhere, apparently. You know, they said, oh, it's approved now, but you couldn't find it anywhere because I believe that they had to wait until they got on the uh, childhood vaccine schedule, according to uh, the uh, ACIP committee at CDC, before it would now fall under the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, right. a no-fault program where there would be no liability for the quote-unquote makers of comernity. Uh, so there's a lot of... So that, was, so that was a bait and switch, right? So a bait and switch is when you advertise one product and then it looks amazing and it's a great price and it's handcrafted and whatever. And then you show up at the store and they're like, well, we're fresh out of that, but we've got this other thing that we can sell you that's pretty much the same thing, but it turns out it's you know a cheap knockoff that was made by slave labor in some third world country with uh, inferior materials. So, I mean, that what you're pointing out is is kind of like a bait and switch where they're like, hey, we've approved it, but we're not going to give you the one that we've approved. Now, in that case, the formulations between those two things were pretty much the same, but there was a there was another bait and switch that happened earlier. Okay, and this one I think is 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 something that is is the sort of thing that you can go to your 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 friends and your family and talk with them about. Okay. So basically, when they first developed, and here we're talking about Pfizer-BioNTech, okay? When they first developed the, the shots for their clinical trial, they used a certain production method, okay? They called it process one. It was kind of a small-scale production process. It involved uh, PCR, and it was a relatively sort of clean and very well-controlled sort of production process. But it wasn't. But it's too expensive and too small scale to 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 be be adequate, or you know, too expensive uh, to be adequate for creating enough doses to give to billions of people around the world. So while they when they started this uh, the, their clinical trials, at the same time they're developing a large scale production process. They called it process two. Okay. Now this production process in, involves basically creating mRNA in big vats of bacteria, especially E. coli bacteria, which is largely what, it, you know, there's a lot of E. coli in your, in your uh, poo, okay? Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they use these plasmids. Now, I don't know if you've been following this work that's, that recently uh, they sequenced some of the uh, Pfizer vials and they found that there were high levels of plasmid DNA in the vials, way higher than uh, the regulatory limits, with all kinds of potential problems. And the other, th and this is because of this manufacturing process, okay? Mm -hmm. The new one, the process two, which also increased the level of endotoxin or lapopolysaccharides, which is a toxic um, component of bacteria. 
okay? So you've got this plasmid DNA, which can cause all kinds of problems, and I'm not gonna go into all the problems it can cause, and you've got this, these high, much higher levels of endotoxin, okay? And this is part of this process too, okay? And the, the levels of endotoxin, they've, they've already admitted like in 2015, there was nothing they could do about it. So you, there's no way you can clean this up. So they did a trial on 40, 44,000 people with the old process, with the clinical trial, uh, they call it clinical batches that were made with process one. Mm -hmm. But what they gave to the rest of the world was made with process two. Now, how many people do you think they tested process two on mm -hmm. in their clinical trial? The answer is 252. Mm -hmm. Okay, they, they gave doses in their trial to 20,000 people. They tested 252. They, they only tested it on people. They only gave it to people in the trial who were 55 years and, un, and younger, even though they told us that we needed it for the older people. As far as we know, they never tested it on animals or were never even asked to test it on animals by any of the regulatory agencies. Mm. We've never seen the comparison of the 252 people to the rest of the trial, but I have the data that was released on FOIA. I've looked at the data, I've identified which people got the, those doses of that process too, and their adverse event profile is like two and a half times, the, the adverse event rate is like two and a half times higher mm -hmm. than the other treatment subjects in the trial. I don't know if this is, is related, Josh, but there was another bit of information coming out, whether it was from that preprint thing or, or what. I don't know at the moment, but it was talking about speculation that some of the shots that reached the, you know, the, the marketplace, so to speak, were placebo. Right. Right. Because there's a weirdness in terms of adverse events from certain lots or others. Now, yeah. the history of vaccinology, there have been, quote unquote, hot lots in history. So. Right. Uh, the question, whether it's intentional, accidental or, it, it, you know, if there was actually a placebo, but. Right then the definition of placebo has almost become meaningless because in vaccinology, when they test a vaccine against a, uh, something else, it's usually like an adjuvant or something, right. not saline. So they're not even right. using what has been previously defined right. as this is what a placebo looks like and is, right. as opposed to what they call it now. Right. And, you know, the, 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 I mean, as far as we know, okay, the Pfizer, co uh, Pfizer BioNTech trial did use a, a real, a true placebo. And, it, and, and since it got on the child schedule, childhood schedule, it's like basically like the only vaccine on the childhood schedule that has been tested against a true placebo. If that doesn't turn out to be true, then, I mean, if that, if it turns out they lied about that, that'll be big news. But as far as that study you were talking about, it was a published study. It was a study done in Denmark and it definitely points to a different, adverse event profile across different lots. The exact reasons for that are, are unknown. It does seem, it, it stands to reason that there's a manufacturing issue there. I don't think there was a placebo, any placebo doses that were given out because people have looked for those lot numbers that were supposed to be placebos. Like people like Jessica Rose and Albert mm -hmm. Benavides have looked in VAERS, right? Because those Danish researchers only looked at adverse events that were being reported in Denmark. But you could take those same lots, plug them into VAERS, and you do find some adverse events, even serious ones that were mm. never reported for those lots. I don't think that they were placebos, but there definitely might have been something about them that made them different. Yeah. You know, less, less, That's less a great unknown. I mean, when you open up these emergency use authorization jabs and look at the inserts and go, it's blank. 
I mean, it, it's not figurative. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, you know, so much of what we're trying to uncover is like, well, what is it? The invisible ink, how do we make it appear yeah. and make sense? Uh, yeah. Josh, listen, anytime you want to stay up late in Israel and be on this show, man, you're welcome. I, I just totally enjoy the interaction with you and appreciate yeah, you so much. Great talking with you. Thank you for inviting me on, this, on to, talk, to talk with you. Well, again, thanks to Kevin for connecting us. I hope you guys connect when he brings his family to Israel. Oh, I'm sure uh, and, we will. and so he'll have some good friends already there, which will be nice. And also, uh, uh, if you ever make it to the States and do any events, uh, you know, because it definitely sounds like your Israeli accent is not happening. It, it sounds a little <laughs> bit more American to me. Yeah. Yeah. Born and born and born and born and raised in the U.S. of A. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Super Don, before we let him go, any questions about any of the issues we brought up today? Uh, especially with your, uh, I'd say, high-level critical thinking skills uh, regarding, regarding the fact-checking controversy, because that's where, you know, you th- oh, fact-checker, this is not what I expected. It's good to know that there are some decent fact-checkers out there. Yeah, <laughs> De- that, that call you decent. Uh, that aren't uh, just uh, out to try and prove people wrong, mm-hmm. right? Verify things that are right more than wanting to prove people wrong, and I think that's right. there's a difference there. I think it's important that we get our facts straight on our side because it, it, the moment we say something, Dude, that I could be... not agree with you more. I have ranted on this show. I don't know how many times where, it, you know, we have turned into a, a society where we just share clickbait without even no, not taking two minutes. Just even like re, you see a headline. They're like, Oh my goodness. I need to share this with everybody. Cause I agree with the headline and they have no idea what's in, in the article itself. And it turns out the article is baloney and then it makes them look right. silly and it makes everybody on our side that is trying to fight this fight look right. you know discredited and ah mm-hmm. yeah i like to say that we it's we really need to keep an open mind but not so open that our brains fall out right? well, yes exactly <laughs> well, well uh, let me just put in a plug here another yeah. thing if people want to follow me uh, mm-hmm. so, like all the recent stuff that i'm doing that hasn't made it onto my Substack. I'm on Twitter at Josh G nine nine. So people can follow me there. Okay. Hold on. I'm going there right now so we can get connected if we're not there. So J O S H G nine, nine. That's right. Uh And I see you, Josh gets go and boom, I'm following you, my brother. Okay, great. Uh, So we're connected now for better or worse. You can't hide from us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you should come to Israel sometime. Yeah, it's been many Again, years since I know I've you been there. Here for some time, but you yeah, I, I, it's been many years. But I have more and more excuses to go uh, with more and more right. friends. I got family there still, of course, as well. So thanks for being on board today, Josh, and appreciate you. And uh, I'm sure uh, uh, Gopi will be thrilled to know you were on the show today. I'll let him know if he just if okay, he doesn't great. already. Yeah. All right, Josh, have a have a. Uh, let me just say it this way: Lila Tov, Lahitrot. <laughs> Bavakasha. <laughs> Total show off. Some Jeez. amateur Hebrew with no real <laughs> accents happening on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks, Josh. Have a good night. Good night. Have a good Super day. Don, show off. Here I go praise you, and now you're you're like throwing names at me. Like, what is that? As if I was praising you just so you'd treat me nicely or something. <laughs> We Stop do whining. have a Stop whining. Stop whining, you whiny little whatever. All right. Can I fit in the question of the day? I want to squeeze that in before we go to hour two, if you don't mind. This is from John, uh, and he says, Hi, Robert. I have a gym injury, J-Y-M injury at the AC joint of my right shoulder. 
Initially, I was diagnosed with a weightlifter's shoulder and had a cortisone injection to calm the inflammation. Well, that wore off and the pain came back. That was last year. I should say that I re-injured, also say I re-injured it last year as the cortisone wore off. I pushed it too hard at the gym again, and so the pain got worse. So then in February this year, I had a second cortisone shot, and that now also wore off, and the pain came back. Um, this is a medical moment of duh, uh, because the cortisone doesn't do anything to address regeneration. It just takes away the inflammation, uh, and of course, it ultimately weakens the connected tissue integrity. But John goes on. He says, now they are saying I have arthritis in the AC joint, and I want, I want me to talk to they want me to talk to a shoulder specialist who is likely to recommend surgery my question for you is what would you recommend in this situation i've tried silica and ordered more also i've been taking collagen powder and various other joint supplements and nothing really seems to be helping the pain would love your feedback all right all right john um this is a great question something i've been through you know i had tendonitis of the knees when i was a kid for goodness sake and i had cortisone injections as a kid I didn't know, my parents didn't know, raised medically, that these things would suppress normal inflammatory processes that were designed to help and to heal ultimately. But of course, you can overuse and abuse a joint by taking a drug to reduce artificially the inflammation and or the pain signaling modulators so that you go, oh, it feels good. And then you go out there and abuse it more and never give it an opportunity to recover or heal. Partly because this is a right-sided injury, I will point out, John, the right side is the side of the liver, that there could be an association with detox pathways, creating a weakness on that shoulder versus the left shoulder. And so that means extra help for your liver is, is uh, indicated. And in terms of the silica that you're taking, remember the Alta Silica is the product I utilize and recommend. I don't make it. I don't sell it. I'm just telling you what I use successfully. Three tablets, four times a day initially to re really reintroduce that critical mineral for connective tissue integrity. And that is part of that protocol, but not the only thing to do. And you, you say you're taking other things as well. One of the things we didn't have access to prior to a couple of years ago is this I'm holding up right now for the screen to see called Sovereign Copper. This is a bioactive and bioavailable form of copper at microgram dosages. So you're never going to worry about overdosing. You can't overtake this stuff. And this copper will initiate many pathways of regeneration recovery, fully activate the things like you talked about, collagen and other things that are necessary to fully allow for that regeneration and to safely reduce the inflammation without suppressing it with a negative impact on the liver, which is already apparently congested based on the right-sidedness of this injury. Now, there are other homeopathic remedies like Rustox and Ruda, and I, I, I don't have time to go into it all. We're at the top of the hour break, but I will say that if you begin to utilize the sovereign copper, at least a tablespoon, three times a day, in addition to stay strong with the, with the, uh, uh, the silica, the Alta silica. We, by the way, I get that from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com and you can use the code RSB five to get a little discount when you get there. Uh, that would be critical. Anything else that reduces inflammation, including enhanced circulation, like with nitric oxide boosting, uh, cardio miracle. That's another thing I would utilize if you're not already. And, uh, I've, you know, I've started recently on the nutritional frontier, super creatine, and my muscles are getting bigger and stronger. I'm able to do, in fact, Here's an interesting thing I will share. One more thing before I take a break and we go to uh, hour two. <clears throat> We've got another brand new guest, uh, Jeremy Andrews, standing by. It's going to be fascinating. The, <clears throat> the strengthening of the muscles is such that you can overplay 
the tendons and cartilage and ligaments that aren't ready, right? You gain so much strength so fast by utilizing, I'm not talking about using steroids in this case, but even supplemental forms that you get so strong that you overplay the, the readiness of the tendons. And I remember this was when I got back into my workout regimen a few years back and I started even just basic curls with weights. I thought this should be easy and I'm having joint pain. And it was uh, the, you know, the, the musculature around it was ready, but not, you know, there's some things that you got to ease into as well. So give yourself some time to recover and rehab. Also, one more thing, God, I keep coming up with things, cold laser therapy, look into it. It got me through a, a shoulder in, injury uh, 10 plus years ago. With that, we're going to take a break. We're going to go into the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, how it plays out constitutionally, how it plays out in the court with first time guest to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Jeremy Andrew. After the break, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Why? Because the power to heal is yours. Hour two commences now. Thank you for being here. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. There's a live chat room happening there. And on the various social medias uh, that we are not banned on at the moment, uh, you can engage there as well. And I see a lot of people or some people commenting on this new platform called Kick, which Super Don tells me is 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 happening. It's uh, like, wow, man. <laughs> I don't know how you describe what kick is. We used to have something called Twitch. Maybe Twitch still exists. And I'm like, Twitch, that used to be something you'd do. And now it's a, a media platform. So I uh, can't keep up with all of these names as to what's going on. But wherever you're watching, glad you're here. Uh, you can become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a little banner on the side, different things that you can plug into. And uh, we appreciate all the support. Uh, we certainly don't have big pharma money. And uh, even if they offered it, we'd say no. It's I've done, I've said no before. Uh, it's not an issue, but the uh, reality is that we exist as many of the new media platforms exist because of your generosity and thanks for supporting that which uh, uh, the mainstream media does not allow, if you will, the legacy media does not allow to be communicated uh, and very rarely does it. And then it's only for a time and then it's gone, whether it be Carol Alt on Fox News years ago or even Tucker Carlson and uh, the things that he did there. Uh, but there's so much more to communicate, and I just love being able to do this with you a couple hours a day, uh, Monday through Friday, and an additional hour at least on Sundays with our Sunday conversations. A uh, quick thank you to our friends at Folium PX, Bob Bree. Uh, he uh, connected us with uh, Frank Cousineau yesterday uh, to confirm that we will be in Glendale, L.A., California, um, uh, Labor Day weekend for the Cancer Control Society's 48th annual convention. And I hope that you'll plan to attend. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. And uh, we got to feature that. And uh, Folium PX is that uh, breakthrough product out of uh, Georgia, not where I grew up, Georgia, but the Republic of Georgia used to be controlled by the Soviet Union. And this botanical blend that was developed to counteract the radiation from Chernobyl. That's why I call it a Chernobyl-level uh, antioxidant. My guest this hour, Jeremy Andrew, will, will be able to know about why he might not be able to say it's anti-radiation because we know freedom of speech is restricted in the United States <clears throat> thanks to the regulatory state and preemption. Uh, and of course, those of you who have been uh, watching and listening to the show for years, my dear friend, Jonathan Emord appears with me each and every week, the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition. 
and he's beaten the FDA back and, and wrestled with the FTC successfully on many issues, but it's a pain in the you-know-what to have to battle with unconstitutional agencies that shouldn't even exist because they violate by their very existence, much less their behavior, uh, fundamental rights to freedom of speech that are not granted to us by a constitution or the constitution, but acknowledged to pre-exist uh, that those rights come from a creator. I would say God, not government. I don't think that should be controversial, but for many, apparently it is still or is uh, now as they realize it and are discussing it and debating it and arguing it. So he's running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, send him packing, and we'd love to see him as the next senator from the Virginia Commonwealth. Uh, that's Jonathan E. Mord, and he'll be on tomorrow. We have already uh, a recording in the can for that because uh, Super Don's got a little vacation coming uh, this weekend. We'll talk about that later. Uh, what else uh, did I want to mention? Upcoming events uh, this weekend, the RSB Family Union. Super Don, I don't know if you got that picture Leslie sent. She rented a kitchen somewhere in Joplin to cook up all of the pie that I'm going to eat, all organic, gluten-free pie that I can eat. My concern is- I was wondering is, why she needed such a big kitchen. It's all for you, huh? Yeah, it's all for me. Look at my, be uh, my belly. I got to fill it up, man. I need some organic pie. Come on. And and those of you who are coming are going to be richly rewarded because I'll allow you to have at least a little bite of mine. I, I, that'd be pie. That's what I'm talking about what here. What a guy. I know. What a nice guy I am. Anyway, thanks, Leslie, for doing that. That's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great weekend. The following weekend, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Whitaker's uh, Natural Market outside of Columbus, then the Maho event. And then we've got Red Pill Expo, uh, G. Edward Griffin, middle of August, I believe it will be. Yes, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Bobbery will be there. Mickey Willis will be there. Bobbery, of course, from Folium. Foliumpx.com, you get the uh, RSB 10 discount, 10% off. There's the Red Pill Expo. And then there's so much more coming up, Super D. It's making me dizzy. Cancer Control Society, Biomed Expo, September 14th through the 17th. And that's uh, happening uh, in Las Vegas. And I'm trying to tech talk Judy Mikevitz into coming. I think we'll get her. Uh, and she's always fantastic. And then continuing down, we'll see some more episodes of, uh, well, Healing Strong, 10 years later. The 10-year anniversary of Healing Strong that's happening in Houston, 29th and 30th of September. We got the professional event for uh, in Pittsburgh with Nutritional Frontiers in October 6th through 8th. Simultaneous to that, uh, south of Salt Lake City by about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, Your Health Freedom Gala and Symposium. Love to see you there at 6th and 7th of October. Then the Health, Health Freedom Expo, October 15th, 14th and 15th. And uh, go to Health Free Trinity, HealthFreedomExpo.com and sign up for Trinity coursework at trinityschool.org. And then we have November, the, the, the Warners are hosting an event in uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, along with, uh, well, a lot of awesome people will be there. So including Dr. Jack Wilson. So with that, Super Don, um, mm -hmm. I sort of covered the opening story last hour, which I'm glad I did because he was, it was perfect, uh, was with timely, what Josh brought. Yes. Yeah. Very timely for that. And so now we can dive into one of my, two of my favorite topics, the first amendment, the second amendment, acknowledging that both are not rights granted by government, but are written in to restrict government from violating those rights that pre-exist government. Before if I got you do that, that though, what, what I do want to say, I just got a notification here. What is uh, it? want to welcome Matt, our latest patron. Has Matt. Just on Patreon. Yes. Matt, thank you, my brother. I appreciate that so much. And we'll hope to see you live at the next Zoom AMA. We do monthly and ask me anything on Zoom. So we get to see one another. It's developed quite a community. And now that you're a patron supporter, you can actually access all of the previous Zooms, except for the ones banned on YouTube. Uh, other than that, most of them, it's all there and a lot of other bonus things you have access to. So thank you, Matt, and everybody else that supports us that way. Including Robert Scott Bell doing an impression of Neil Diamond singing Sweet Caroline 
Yes, yes. And right then the one you and I did together uh, doing Copacabana. That was very... Uh, made em- famous by Barry Manilow. Extraordinarily so. embarrassing for me. You did great. My daughter looked at me very funny. She was helping me on that. It was just <laughs> so embarrassing. Anyway, with that, I don't know if he wants to be on the show anymore after what we've just done. But for the first time ever on the Robert Scott Bell Show, I'd like to welcome from Phoenix Law. I hope I pronounced that right. P-H-O-I-N-I-X Law. Uh, his name, Jeremy Andrew. Jeremy, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks, Robert. It's Phoenix. It's just ancient Greek spelling. Well, look at that. You know, if I got a phonetic way of looking at things, and I wouldn't have known that. But if I don't say it that way, no one will know how to find it. P-H-O-I-N-I-X Law Firm. Look at that. So yep. you're going ancient languages. That's why the little cap is over the first die. It's the Greek spelling. Nice. Well, I love that. That tells me you're invested in the history of how we got here, which so many people that complain about that we're here have no idea how we got here. So their complaints are kind of like, you don't even, why would you go dig some deep, deep dig and and figure this thing out and then talk to me. That's kind of what you do. That's right. Now I'm getting some audio dropout, Super Don. Do you hear that? I don't know what that's all about. It was going fine for a sec and I don't want to lose any words from, uh, from Jeremy here. Yeah. Keep talking, Jeremy. Okay. Can you hear? Okay? Yeah, something's kind of funky. Something's kind of funky. So why don't you drop or reconnect? Yeah, let's try and reconnect real quick because I want to hear every word you have to yeah. say. That's um, technology. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, what happened was on. we we tested earlier and, and the laptop wasn't uh, cooperating, and so that we ended up moving, moving to the to the phone. All right, how are we doing now? Is that better? Hundred percent. Yeah. Hooray. So um, uh, one of my friends, Marge, who's a super fan of the show, also said, heard you on Kate Daly's show. That's right. friends with Kate and uh, said, you ought to have him on your show, too. I'm like, dude, yeah, sounds like a great guy. And, uh, you know, you were Of course, were you want to know something funny. Let me just interrupt real quick here. Yeah. Marge was in the chat room just a minute ago. And on uh-huh. the day that she she gets, you know, that, that Jeremy is on. Yeah. She leaves early to go watch uh, the Sound of Freedom movie. Well, so she's I, not even here. Look, I can't blame her. That movie's uh, doing really well. I'm excited. I totally want to so. see that. Yeah. yeah it's gotten yeah. great reviews. Yeah. You should. It's phenomenal. So, uh, Jeremy, going through a law school, as I imagine you did, and uh, become a bar attorney, there's a lot of controversies associated with that because many bar attorneys will not do actual constitutional law. They'll pay lip service to it as they operate fully in equity or admiralty, whether they even know it or not. And it's just a mess because our Constitution was based, as far as I know, on the common law, which doesn't seem to be in operation much anymore. That is true. Most attorneys don't have the guts to do the right thing. (laughs) So So what is it about you, man? Are you wired differently? Did mom and dad raise you different? What happened? All of the above. I'm totally wired different. I do my own thing. I always have since I was a little kid. Middle of five brothers. Mm -hmm. I'm the middle child, number one. So that's going to already throw you into the monkey wrench a little bit so to stand out from my two older brothers and my two went into business right out of actually up in park city there ended up with five health food stores and two just outside of sacramento hold on on a second jeremy we're getting that same audio dropping out and again uh i don't want to miss any of your words i think they're very important super d do we need to switch over to telephone or, or what do you think uh, because again, he's bringing it and I can tell, and I don't want to hear half the words he's saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, 
I mean, I don't know what uh, other backup plan. If you test it on a different technology no, and now this, on this, this, and it, this was a plan B. It's that not we did holding here, together so. well. Yeah. So, Jeremy, give me just a couple minutes. I'll get it set up, and we'll get you on the phone. You get? Uh, yeah, we'll reconnect by a phone interview if you don't mind. No, that's. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate your flexibility there. That's the technology. Sometimes this thing works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but as far as, uh, uh, you know, my concern on this topic, uh, some of you will go, well, don't you already do this on Thursdays with Jonathan Eward? Yeah, but I think we can't do it enough when we get down to the principles of freedom and from where they are derived, as opposed to what many people even, when you talk about rights and we call them constitutional rights, I want people to understand or acknowledge, if you will, that calling something a constitutional right doesn't make it a right, in fact, because you don't get your rights from the Constitution. That's often overlooked and just, you know, it's accepted. Much like people misuse the word democracy. Oh, we're a democracy. I was like, it matters. Words do matter because they shape reality. And if you don't even know the definition of words that you utilize, you could end up entrapped in a situation you had no earthly idea because you thought it meant this, but in this particular area, whether it be court of law or whatever, that word is defined this way and you use it improperly at your own peril and they go, well, it's not our fault you didn't know the definition. But, that, you know, that's how the games that they play uh, in, in the, you know, within the four walls, if you will, of a, often a court that is not truly constitutional but is operating under a different jurisdiction for which you have no earthly idea whether you've studied it or not, kind of the admiralty equity law, which is far different from the common law or what we would call constitutional uh, law, if you will. Uh, so these things are get can get confusing, but I think you're up for it. You're up for it because you're here on the Robert Scabell Show. And we, we sometimes take uh, deep dives into those things as well. Uh, so for those of you who want to check out our guest, uh, Super Don's getting him on the phone. And it's called, uh, let's see, the website, uh, Phoenix... P-H-O-I-N-I-X law, the old way of saying it, uh, and uh, .com. And if you want Second Amendment, gun law stuff, help uh, businesses, corporate law trusts and stuff. Do you have them on the line? I do. Yeah. Okay. I'm on. Oh, right. Well, thanks for, uh, again, flexing with us today. We've got Jeremy Andrew back, and that way I don't have to lose the words as you were sharing a little bit about your backstory, which is fascinating. I'm going to start back in on that. Yes, please. Yeah, so went to the University of Utah. I had studied molecular biology, biology, biochemistry, and English. And then right out of school, I opened a health food store in Park City. And after about nine years, I had five in Utah and two just outside of Sacramento. So I did a lot of nutritional consulting on a biochemical basis rather than take a pill and cover it up basis. So... Did they, did those stores, um, do those stores still exist, by the way? Um, some of them do. They've all been sold to various other people, as far as I know. Okay, but, so they might not be the same name, even. But, no, the Park City store is not there. I know that one. But there are others that are still around. Were you already... Jeremy, were you already an attorney when you had these stores? Because w we realize here nope. that... The, the no. freedom, freedom of speech doesn't exist in the natural healing realm and supplemental realm. Uh, and you find out how, fa how fast censorship or how long censorship has been an ongoing policy of the United States government. Yep. As long as I can remember. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was not an attorney yet. I sold out in 05, went to law school in 06. 
And because I wanted to get back into helping people and, and my family included, I went all year round and did law school in two and a half and rather than three years. So, wow. So I get back at it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's motoring through it. And anyway, you you're there now. You're doing some extraordinary work. And uh, we talked today, First Amendment, Second Amendment. Is there a particular uh, topic or issue that you want to cover with the audience today? You know, the one thing that I talked about, I know that Marge got to hear about, mm-hmm. was the Second Amendment. And I was telling Don earlier, in Idaho, we have what's called the Enhanced Concealed Carry Weapons License which is unlike any other states, we kind of set the bar for the country. And with that comes a legal portion that needs to be taught. And so I teach the legal portion of that course for about eight different instructors. And with that enhanced permit, you qualify to take Oregon's, get their permit if you're an Idaho resident. And as an Idaho resident with the enhanced permit and Oregon's, your license to carry concealed in 41 states, which is more than any other. So with that, with one of the things I love to do, though, is to educate all the participants in the classes Mm -hmm. about how to avoid becoming accidental felons. And so I have a I tell them all the time, I have a couple of safes full of guns. But how many do you think I own a big whopping zero? Because every firearm I have from a small revolver to suppressor to whatever you name it is held legally by my gun trust. So I don't actually own any of the firearms that I have. So if they were to be stolen from you and used in the commission of a crime, you're not held personally liable. Well, correct. Depends on if I was negligent in letting them get stolen. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Outside of negligence. I don't, Uh, I got a question. I'm a stickler. I'm a hardcore guy. So don't, don't hopefully you don't get sure. annoyed with me. Uh, no, that's, but, okay. that's what Don said. So that's good. Yes. My perspective on rights is that they don't require permission slips. And so licensing uh, like carry or giving permission slips from the government yeah. for you to conceal carry seems to be anathema to a right, particularly as it's written in the First Amendment, which didn't grant us the right to keep and bear arms, acknowledge the pre-existing right of self-defense. Right. So exactly. uh, h- how do you, you know, parse the language and the understanding of what I'm trying to communicate. So I tell everybody, Second Amendment, well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period, hard stop. There should be no ATF or any of the other agencies dealing where they don't belong. That should be the end of the discussion, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel about it. I mean, very much like you were saying on the earlier segment, all these three-letter agencies that should not exist. I call them quasi-governmental agencies because they're not really governmental agencies anyway. Right. So, But we're seeing a lot of states pass something that pre-existed the the, the passage of these things, and they're called constitutional carry laws. That is, you don't have to ask permission to be able to carry uh, and and conceal, in a sense, which I think is more appropriate to the, the spirit and the actual uh, writing of those amendments, the Second Amendment in particular, and the acknowledgement of our founders that those rights preexist the government yeah. itself. And yet, you know, may, there might be some legalities that go into an area of your expertise uh, regarding why you might want a permission slip to carry and not become a felon or however that happens. Maybe you can relate. I'm not, I know you can't go to the whole course today, but maybe a little bit of insight there. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% with you. 
except for they shouldn't even need to pass constitutional carry. Like I yes. said, it should just be Second Amendment hard stop. The end. Correct. Yes. But because they do, and the feds dabble where they shouldn't, and then states dabble even further where they shouldn't, that's why we have over 200,000 gun laws in the country. And that's just a total infringement on just about everybody's rights. And the problem with constitutional carry is every state puts a different stipulation. Like some states you have to be 18, some states you have to be 21. I mean, they just, they're all over the place. They're not consistent from state to state. So, right. Well, that's so no, knowing, issue with those. knowing how the law is written so that you don't run afoul of it and, and have a, a bad day or longer uh, is probably something yep. you're helping people to, uh, you know, navigate. Right. Yeah, I do. I try to help keep them out of trouble from the get go. And if they don't stay out of trouble, then we have to take on the government to get their rights back. And so that's, I also belong to the United States Concealed Carry Association as one of their attorneys, but I'm one of, I call one of their non-emergency attorneys. Because I'm not a criminal defense attorney. If you shoot somebody, you're not gonna call me, but if you need to get your rights back from felony or misdemeanor so that you can legally possess a firearm again, that's what I help people do, is actually restore their rights. Jeremy, you so mentioned that you were you were teaching others about this so that they could teach others. How would you tell, uh, let's say, folks in my audience, wherever they are, if they want to learn about this, would they take a course from them or from you directly? Would they sign up online or is it an in-person event? You know, well, right now it's part of the enhanced concealed carry course in Idaho for that permit. And I teach the legal part of that course. And so, but I go off the cuff and teach them all about other things that are practical advice, not always just legal advice. So that's, it's kind of hard to find if you were to Google it, look it up, because you're going to mm -hmm. find 1 million different opinions. Yeah. But who, who I actually issues, researched the law. Who issues that enhanced concealed carry permit? I mean, that, that concerns me. If they have to issue a permit, they can remove it from you. Correct. Yep. But with the enhanced, Idaho set the bar, the training standard higher to acquire it, which again, I don't think you should be, have to have one anyway, mm -hmm. but under the law, since you do, so you don't go to jail, I try to help people navigate how to not get in trouble with that enhanced permit. So you're telling me in Idaho, a uh, constitutional carry state, it's not a constitutional carry state. It's a, you still have to get a permit. No, it's constitutional carry. But in Idaho, for instance, like I say, every state is different on their constitutional carry. Yes. Like here, if you're 18 years old and a U.S. citizen and you're not a prohibited person, which means, you know, felon, domestic abuser, all the things on the list when you buy a gun, yeah, then you can carry concealed in Idaho. Other states is different. Gotcha. But there are, but there are little snippets that are different if you're an Idaho resident or if you have your enhanced permit, you can carry different places than you can without it and i got gotcha. you all right it gives you uh, access to places that it doesn't fully cover sure. you otherwise okay now right. on the, on the uh, uh, establishment of a trust for your gun does each gun have to have its own trust or can you put multiple firearms in one trust i do i do the multiple i know there are websites in place where you can get they're called like single shot trusts or whatever but mm -hmm. the problem is i have clients that go buy a suppressor and 
that trust can only hold one firearm. So every they got a new trust for every gun. Mine, okay. you can dump as many firearms as you want into the trust. Gotcha. You All right. Trustees in various states. They don't have to be in the same state. So if I'm on, I'm on your website, the Phoenix law.com and it's Phoenix spelled the ancient Greek way, the P H O I N I X law.com. And we have it linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. If you're just tuning in live, uh, it's uh, the 12th of July, 2023. If you're listening later, still good information, not going to expire. Uh, and I, I clicked on the practice areas of your website and it says second amendment and gun law, gun trust for your protection. So I guess people can access this and, and, and establish that in all 50 uh, states. Yeah. Yeah. I do trust work in the majority of the states. There's two or three that I can't do work in as an okay. attorney because of their laws, but there are most trust work, whether it's estate planning or gun trust, I can do in almost every state. And gotcha. most of my trust work for guns is outside of Idaho because I think kind of the same Utah, Idaho people are kind of lax because they all got guns and they don't worry about the government coming in doing red flag laws and taking over. Mm-hmm. But I got clients the East Coast and the Midwest and the South that really know what it's about. And so they're way more gung-ho to have a trust to protect themselves. Gotcha. So, How much would somebody have to budget to put together a gun trust? You know, it depends on where they live. Mm-hmm. In Idaho, I do them actually the cheapest for $650. And when you take the class where I teach it, I give you a discount. Okay. East Coast, you know, the Northeast, where it's a little more, for lack of a better word, a little more communist yeah. slash socialist, whatever you want to call it, usually around three to 4000 In the South, about 2500 bucks. Same Midwest, about 2000 Well, I would say West in those Coast, areas... You definitely want to put multiple guns and not just have to do one for each gun at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I set mine up that way. Mm-hmm. Great. So. Well, this is an option we didn't know about. I appreciate that. And thanks. Yeah. Shout out to Marge again for connecting us. She thought, I think this would be a good topic yeah. for you and a good guy to get on the show. I agree. <laughs> another area of expertise. Yeah, Marge is area, pretty good. Another area we talk about extensively and 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 for many years because of my friend Jonathan Emord is First Amendment, as it relates to freedom of speech, uh, dietary supplements, and we know that there's a preemption of that speech thanks to the regulatory state. Um, we have uh, nightmares within that because you can't engage or until recently enter into an actual court. You would have to go into the kangaroo court or star chambers of FDA, FTC, and where you're presumed guilty right. and good luck ever finding innocence in that. Uh, it's rigged. Yep. Now, we've had some recent uh, chipping away at something we call the Chevron defer- deference um, uh, standard. Uh, the Supreme Court's going to rule on it further. But there's been some elements where they say now you can, if there's a constitutional question involved, you can go directly to the courts and you don't have to go right to FDA or FTC. I don't know if you've been looking at that as well, but I'm encouraged by the trend that's happening. Yeah. I mean, that case has been around for, what, 45 years or so. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, it's trending that way, but like with all things that slow roll through the courts or through the bureaucracy, I don't know when it'll actually take hold. But, you know, I mean, that was a whole natural resource thing that Chevron went after. So, but if they would just not defer to the federal agency's interpretation, yeah. When the statutes are pretty clear that they don't have legislative rights anyway, then we'd all be a lot better off. But unfortunately, they still 
go through all these what I call quasi-governmental agencies because they're just arms or branches, appendages to somebody else. Right. Of a governmental agency. Yeah, it's anything so, but a freedom-based system. Uh, and Yeah, my uh, opinion is they're all unconstitutional agencies because they have no legislative backing to even set them up to make mm-hmm. laws, to enforce laws, any mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, and that's where Jonathan has beaten the FDA back a world record eight times in court, in their own courts and others. And he's like, it didn't matter. Uh, they ignored the court orders. And he's like, I got to do something better. And that's why he decided to run for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. And we'd all be benefited by having someone of his knowledge, stature, and constitutional integrity in there to influence others, including enhance the ability of people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee and a few others that have some semblance of the Constitution in their blood still. Exactly. I agree completely. Yeah. So everybody, quick plug, Chuck, check out uh, emord4va, emord4va.com to support his efforts. And obviously uh, any other uh, uh, fundraising events around the country or online, we'll let you all know about. Uh, So uh, Jeremy, uh, besides first, second amendment, he says like business, estate planning, other things like that. Um, Idaho, I think of as a pretty, you know, wild west, not in a bad way. When I say that to me, it's a term of endearment, uh, that it's more embracing of, of freedom yet. There's been a lot of transition in terms of the politics because of people fleeing California for Boise. I was just there for uh, an event. And even though it's a nice small town, I really enjoyed it. Uh, As far as liberal towns go, it's one of the cleaner ones. It hasn't gone full on degradation, but still has the body body politics shifted so much that people of Idaho have to concern themselves because I I have friends in in Oregon that want to be part of Idaho. There's actually uh, efforts to have them adopt part of uh, Oregon. Yeah, I went from five counties to eight counties now. Mm-hmm. That'll never happen because Portland controls everything. So. Despite what what's the oh. uh, capital is uh, a, was it is it Portland or Eugene? I don't even remember. In Oregon. I think it's Albany, isn't it? Albany uh, Salem. is the capital. Salem, no, Salem, Salem, that's it. Salem, Salem yeah. that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was. It was like even though Portland is the main control because that's the population center, the, the seat yeah. of power is supposed to be Salem. All the legislators that go to Salem come out of is Portland, and that's right. I say Portland controls. Yeah, so, that makes sense. That does make sense. The majority so, of them come from. Super Don would like to be part of Idaho, I think, even though he lives in Oregon and many others too. Uh, but as I say, yeah. the question is, is the shift on so significantly in Idaho that we've got to worry about uh, it becoming more Oregon-like? Not yet. I mean, I, like I, this particular class, that I, the enhanced concealed carry permit class I've been teaching for about eight and a half years, and it, it went from as red as red could be to now, depends on the city you're in and the politics I say it kind of is dangling in the purple zone, kind of shift swinging back and forth. So it just depends. I always say that, you know, if people want it to be different, they need to vote for someone different. They continue to vote for the same ding-dongs all the time and wonder why nothing changes. So, so that's my political opinion on Idaho. It could be good, and it's not bad. Yeah. I don't see it getting much worse, but... It's, okay. You know, it's like everywhere else. Depends on who keeps moving here. If they mm-hmm. vote them in instead of the people that have been here and like their freedoms here. So. Gotcha, Jeremy. Do you do some classes across the border into Utah since you have connections there from years past? You know, 
I haven't done. I mean, I do work there, but I haven't done any classes down there just because there's I haven't had a need to do classes down there and their laws are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, but I, we have a lot of people that come here from all different states to take the class that we offer in Idaho because even with, if you're an out-of-state resident, so even Don from Oregon, if you were to come and take the Idaho Enhanced Concealed Carry class, and you have your Oregon handgun permit, mm-hmm. that still you will have way more states that you can carry concealed in than if you just take it from your state, and that's it. Gotcha. I think gotcha. Utah's the next best. They've got like 32 or something, but with ours, you can do 41 if you're not a resident. So gotcha. that's All right. just this. The bar yeah. was just set a little higher when they decided to do this class and make right. it an enhanced permit. Well, I appreciate the insight and especially sharing uh, uh, some level or layer of protection that people could set up in terms of a trust, a gun trust of some kind to keep, uh, uh, let's say, the feds or even state agencies away from their private property, which unfortunately the government doesn't tend to acknowledge uh, much anymore. So I thank you for all your efforts there. Exactly. And the thing that I tell people is, okay, look at the different laws. California slash California, for instance, you cannot be in possession of a magazine that holds more than 10 rounds or it's a felony, even if it's empty. They just don't allow that in their state. You cannot own certain guns based on politicians' lists of, oh, this one is a forty-five. Glock this, this is a 45, one's silver, one's black, the black one's scarier, that one's not allowed. I mean, those, that Connecticut, there's a lot of states that have these laws that, based on fear, not even out of reality. So, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting so about the when whole... it comes to ownership, mm-hmm. I tell clients or classes, mm-hmm. let's just assume, for the sake of argument, that Joe Obama and the clowns in D.C. pass a law that's universal through all 50 states where you cannot own any firearm magazine that holds more than 10 rounds. Everybody'd be a felon overnight, almost. Yeah, unconstitutionally but, so, but uh, I think there's exactly. in the Western states, uh, blood will flow in the streets before these people give up I, any of that. But uh, exactly. the DC, the DC but now that all of my guns mm-hmm. are owned by a trust, I actually don't own any firearms. Because the trust holds legal title to everything. Yeah, it's pretty sneaky. Just like when you have a home, and I like a trust, it. You don't yeah. own it. The trust owns it. Exactly. No, that there's a lot of uh, wisdom. I will call it thousands of years of wisdom in in utilizing uh, trust. Uh, let's say uh, vessels, if you will, to protect your yep. assets. And I appreciate yep. that very much. So, <clears throat> anything else, Jeremy, you want to share before we let you go here today? And I'm glad to connect with you. Uh, finally and hopefully one day i'll get to meet kate i know marge is anxious that we get together with kate daly as oh, well yeah kate's awesome like i tell was telling don my wife and kate grew up together in southern california so they're like besties so oh wow cool like so but you know i know you're big into the health stuff and like i said before so when it comes to the fda and ftc stuff i don't fight them mm-hmm. but i help manufacturers with their labeling requirements and their advertising requirements through the FDA and FTC laws. Mm-hmm. They try to shut them down. No, you can't do this. Can't say that. Can't make any substantiated claims or anything else. 
and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I do on that front for manufacturers and their labeling. Right. Uh, and I, in the meantime, I'm still going to work for Jonathan Ebor to get in the Senate so we can eliminate this nonsense altogether so we can be truthful exactly. and free in our communication about these substances and natural products that have scientific substantiation to, to make all the statements they want, even if it hurts the sales of the FDA approved drug pharmaceuticals. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Jeremy, are you, are, are you near Ryan Cole, Dr. Cole? Yeah, we used to live across the street. <laughs> it, my youngest daughter and one of his daughters are like best friends. So. Awesome. We love Ryan. Great guy. I got to yeah, see Ryan's him when I was a guy. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go but, ahead. Say, say what were you going to say? No, you're fine. I remember way back in the day, and you probably remember this. Remember the EOLA drops or the ephedrine drops based on oh, yes. Utah? Oh, yes. I remember the FBI raid on that facility way back in the day when they went in and took every bottle and everything, their, all their paperwork, everything out of their offices and their factory, their warehouse. Mm -hmm. That's think, how bad the system was even back then. We did a lot of stories on it at the time. I've been on the air since 1999. And um, yeah. I think, what was the guy's name? Was it Mike Fillon? I remember the uh, author who wrote about ephedra and I interviewed him a number of times on this issue. And of course, Jonathan E. Moore discussed it, many people about it, how absurd it was, uh, the claims that they made to ban it as an ingredient, natural ingredient, but certainly still available as a pseudoephedrine yeah. that is then remanufactured into, uh, I believe they call it, uh, what is that stuff? Uh, they brew up and uh, they make television shows about it. Um, meth. Oh, the meth, thank you. Yes. Crystal meth. They turn <laughs> it into crystal meth. Yes. That's right. Um, that's okay, even though they hide that a little bit, but the still is they don't want you to have naturally occurring ephedra, which has been used for thousands of years uh, in Chinese right. medicine and beyond. So, uh, again, full well, violent of Utah, your right. You know, Brigham tea grows everywhere. I yes, mean, that's true. Back down to that, like crazy. Mm -hmm. make yeah, I had, I had a... I had a batch of Brigham tea somebody gave me, and it's like these long yeah. branches and things. But yeah, uh, we yeah. don't need to ask for permission where none is required. That's one of uh, my favorite sayings. Exactly. Stop asking for permi permission where none is required. But of course, you enter into jurisdiction when you cross into what they call interstate commerce, and then the FDA, right. the FTC, everybody claims everything over you. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I think this is a great uh, abuse of, of any constitutional authority that was actually granted. And, and one day, we'll have to make amends and fix that too. Yep, I agree 100%. Cool. All yes. right, well, hey, Jeremy, great to connect with you. I hope to meet you uh, anytime up there. If I get back up to Idaho or whatever, uh, I really yep. enjoyed my visit up there and to get to see Ryan Cole and a bunch of people, Brian Festa uh, yep. and others, uh, good people up there, and I'm glad to connect with you. There's a lot of good people up here. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So, well, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure and great to meet you and you, Don, and yeah and that phone number on my website for your listeners mm -hmm. that i have routed through my cell phone you can actually text that phone number if you have questions as well you don't have to just try to call it you can text that phone number i got it on the contact page is that the right one 208-366-4425 correct so okay. that, you can text it it comes right to my cell phone okay so you can actually text that number if you have any questions and the email info right. at the Phoenix Law. And remember, the Phoenix is spelled ancient Greek, so it's you wouldn't get it. I didn't get it. The P H O I N I X, the Phoenix Law.com. Y'all check yeah, it out. My license plate is P H O I N I X on my car. So, so they, they so. either see you coming or going. I don't think you have to have plates on the front of your car, so they see you going. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was great. And 
Yeah, any of your listeners are interested in Second Amendment law or gun trust stuff, like I say, I do them in all the states. So, all right. Well, that's a good option. I didn't know we had. So thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. We'll be talking some more. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. That's Jeremy Andrew, the Phoenix Law Firm. And it's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, robertscottbell.com. Speaking of another uh, uh, issue related to freedom, uh, there's an article here from Medical Express that talks about states legalizing the sale of unpasteurized milk despite public health warnings. Now, unpasteurized milk is is a stupid way of saying it. It's raw. It's real. Because <laughs> how do you unpasteurize something? Uh, this is this always bothered me about, you know, I'm a stickler for words occasionally, except for pronouncing people's names correctly, which I'll often get wrong. Uh, you're unvaccinated. Are my kids unvaccinated? No, they've never been vaccinated. How could they be unvaccinated? We don't have to undo anything that we've done. So tell, it's not vaccinated. How about that? It's not pasteurized. How about that? It's raw. How about that? And this article doesn't seem to be in favor of uh, raw milk because they say despite public health warnings. It's like, you know, humanity has been drinking milk raw ever since there's been milk on the planet. Babies drink milk raw from mommy. You know, I pointed out the absurdity of like, you wouldn't pasteurize breast milk from mom for your baby, would you? Why would you do that? It alters the integrity of the proteins, the uh, denatures them. It alters the, the bacterial presence, the microbiota that are so critical for so much and, you know, destroying certain vitamins. It's just a disaster to heat this up. Now, granted, if you're going to heat up milk to make a special treat, you know, these delicacies, that's a different story. But in terms of uh, functional health what was the study by, it was Price Pottinger. You remember the study about cats? They did uh, uh, pasteurized milk for the cats and each generation got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And they put them back on the way they're designed to, to drink or eat the milk product raw. Uh, they recovered. And I'm not saying everybody needs to drink milk, but if you do, I highly recommend that you don't drink it pasteurized. It's like, oh my gosh, you want everybody to get poison, salmonella, et cetera. No, from reputable sources that do some analysis or closer to the source you can get. If you have your own cows or goats, milk them and drink it or utilize it however you want. But to pasteurize, I understand for mass marketing purposes, uh, but that isn't the healthy way to do much of anything, is it? Ideally. Uh, So hopefully uh, if you do drink the milk, make it, real and raw and of course from grass-fed cows if you do the cow milk all right super d how are you on milk can you drink milk without having a, a michael bolden experience and then having to do a paper or coffee enema in your I pocket am, i am not lactose intolerant is okay. that what you're, you're asking yeah i mean basically yeah. very intolerant to that although i think it was if, if i remember bolden saying he, he can do a little bit of raw dairy and doesn't have the problem which makes more sense that it's the alteration of the milk proteins artificially by heating it, that makes it impossible for certain people to digest and you know properly utilize. Yeah, I've never had a problem with dairy. I'm a big fan of the uh, of the milk and the well, not so much the milk. I don't drink a lot of milk really, mm-hmm. um, but I am a fan of cheese. <laughs> I I like the cheese, dude. You should have had the cheesecake my wife made for my daughter's birthday. That and that's a different kind of cheese, oh, but that's yeah. Man. No, my uh, I, mm. I am blessed. 
mm-hmm. to have a wife that knows how to cook really well and she's mm-hmm. also knows how to bake. Yeah. And so she makes a a, a cheesecake and it's just no. Yeah, and she forget. knows how to just, get you really great tickets to see Disturbed. Uh yeah, well, yeah. It costs she money. loves you. She really <laughs> loves you. It costs yes. money. I'll tell you, uh mm-hmm. I would not have bought those tickets. I'm I don't like you know, I'm I'm just mm-hmm. I don't like spending money. I'm, par- yeah. I'm paranoid about money, but she sure. she made an exception for this situation, and it was, um, yeah. I bought uh, tickets yesterday for the you, me, and the kids to go see Foreigner on their final tour. Foreigner, okay. Foreigners make it a final tour. <clears throat> also, last year we saw Kansas. They're coming back. I'd like to see them again. I looked nope. up online, and Sticks is doing a tour. Yeah, but they're not but, Sticks though. No, they're not the. Uh, well, they still have Tommy Shaw. Oh, okay. Then to go watch Tommy Shaw. That's yeah. what you're going to watch. But, yeah, you know, I mean, listen, you got to agree with me. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this before because there mm-hmm. was a, a Sticks cover band that came here to town. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw them and stuff. And you were the one that pointed out, well, that's that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not what's his name? What is his name? Dennis DeYoung. Dennis DeYoung. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't compare. You know, it's just it's not sticks yeah. without Dennis DeYoung. So it's Tommy Shaw's sticks. Tommy Shaw's sticks, and I think James. Tommy Young Shaw, is still I love there. Tommy Shaw. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's a great uh, guitarist. He has mm-hmm. a great voice. Um, yeah, in, still. In fact, you know, I'm a big fan of Damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. He was in that with Ted. I Nugent. was listening to that today. I've been kind of stuck on it for the last few Wasn't days. Wasn't Ted Nugent in Damn Yankees? It was Jack Blades from yeah. um, Foreigner, or no, yeah. from uh, Night Ranger. Night Ranger, yeah. And Tommy Shaw from Sticks, uh, and it was uh, Ted Nugent from mm-hmm. himself. Yes, <laughs> and I can't remember. I can't remember who the drummer was, but yeah. uh, a super group. I mean, just a m- incredibly massively. Everything they came out with was a hit, and and they uh, they wanted to continue and, and make more albums and stuff. And one of the reasons why they couldn't do it. Mm. was because when they wanted to tour, it was hunting season, and Ted Nugent wouldn't go. <laughs> yes. Now you can talk to Shemaine about that. I have talked to him about it. In fact, yeah. yeah, I had that discussion with her last time that we did a Facebook Live. We were talking That's about hilarious. Damn Yankees. Great music. But, oh, uh, man. Anyway, That's so cool. Sticks. So anyway, but but yeah. also what I'm saying, I was going to tell you about Sticks is like they've priced themselves out. I saw their cheapest tickets were like 170 bucks. Mm. I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it for that. No, but especially, I, especially when it's not, you know, again, I was able to get Kansas the, tickets for like 45, 50, 55 bucks. Yeah. yeah. And that's more in well, line. Same thing with foreigner. Absolutely. Uh, I would yeah. rather go see like Kansas or like, you know, we're actually, uh, we actually, well, actually it's over now. We missed it, but uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to go see 38 special. Oh, that would have been they fun. They played, you know, and that's just like, that's, that's even with like, you know, it costs nothing. Right. Because yeah. they're playing at the fair. I would rather go see somebody like that than go see what's left of sticks. Yeah. I, well, personally. based on the price, yeah, that's not yeah. A, it's not an option. Uh, I think Aerosmith is going on tour again for the last time. My wife reminded me of that today. Yeah. I know my kids want to see that. My daughter wants to see Aerosmith. Yes. And uh, oh, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band is coming, but I can't I can't go. I'm not. I'm gonna be gone. My buddy Neil asked me if he wanted to go. I would have gone. So there's some good tours that are still happening. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, uh, shout out to Lula. I don't say her last name, so she's still semi-anonymous. Uh, she uh, she said, I just wanted to tell you how much you've inspired me to reclaim my health. I'm starting to feel better and a spark of hope. I got the relaxed sauna, and I think it's helping greatly. Thanks for the discount, too. You and your show are amazing. God bless you. Well, God bless you, Lula. 
There's the relaxed sauna behind me on the left. You get that from Phil Wilson, my buddy. And we have a link to that and you get the code RSB. I think it gets you a hundred, hundred bucks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, get on it, get in it and start, start, get your sweat on uh, and uh, you'll be better for it. So thank you, Lulu. That's kind. Your words are so kind and appreciated. Uh, let's see what else we got here, man. We've had some really rocking good shows. Not like I, I can't point to many that sucked as far as shows, um, but really they're rocking. They're really doing great. Interviews have been great. People have been great. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Latipo's Ladapo. <laughs> Latipo. Latipo. Uh, uh, his wife, Dr. Joe Latipo's wife. Yes. And she was great. Yep. Enjoyed her immensely. Sunday, if you missed the interview with uh, Ann Archer Butcher, my good friend, the adopted mom in a sense too. Man, that story of her recovery from a brain injury, another next le- level guidance from above from within to do the impossible the healing that uh, i don't claim to be so smart that i know all the answers no way would i but when i don't know them you know where i'm going i'm going to utilize whatever technique i have to open the lines of communication with that which knows everything about healing and that is creator god whatever you call it and practice that presence And, and we talked about how to do that a little bit in the show as well and you can do that no matter what religion or faith you're part of or not a part of that's the way we bring it here. I want you to be able to enhance whatever you already believe to make it even better for you. That's part of my goal as well. Reconnect you to the source of all healing. That, that's fun for me. I love doing that. So what else we got to announce uh, for this week? We're going to Leslie's place for the RSB family union. Uh, Super Don, did you show the picture? We talked about it, of the of the kitchen that she uh, rented. Well, you moved on, and so I don't. You texted it to me. So yes, I, I did. To... So if you can show that, I want to show you because oh. I think there's some pies in evidence there for those of you who doubted that she was for real on it. There's no way she wasn't for real. We know she sent us pie before. Great stuff, and I'm going to be there and having it and <clears throat> baking some really good stuff for us. And thank you, Leslie. She also has uh, the stay-at-home mom Her, uh, podcast. Yeah, just as well. just published like an hour ago. So there's a new episode up. Oh, new episode. She does. You, a, yeah, dude. She she did a uh, an interview with Tacy uh, Tacy uh, Tracy Stroop. Except it's Stroud. Stroud. But sorry, yes. Stroud. It's okay. Ladapo. Tracy yes. Ladapo. I yes. look. I'm not going to criticize you for saying it wrong. I get it wrong, <laughs> but I know that one. Tracy Stroud. Yes. Yes. So yeah. that uh, just published about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. All right. Come on. Go, what is it? Come on. Go, Where's that go, picture? Go, go, do it. Go on there. Okay, there we go. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll make it happen. Clicking all the wrong things here. Mm-hmm. It's it's Friday for me. I cut me some slack. Oh, Michael Bolden talked about the raw cheese too. Because again, it's the raw thing. He can tolerate that. And I think when uh, we did we ever do that when we were together? I don't know. Maybe that's an imagination thing. But he says next time we do a pizza night. We'll bring some raw cheese to put on it. Absolutely. And we have access to that. All right. Yeah. There you go. There's the kitchen. Look at that. So she's renting a kitchen or at least part of it, but it's huge. A commercial kitchen to make umpteen number of pies that I'm going to eat and maybe let you have some too. If you join us at this event, we'll see if Kevin gets some pie. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And Leslie says we're going to make raw goat's cheese this weekend. So there's going to be a lot of homestead stuff. We're going to learn a lot that I don't even know how to do. Believe it or not. Yes. I don't know how to do everything. In fact, I don't know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> so, um, Straup, 
That's Strout. Strout. Tracy Strout. Okay. Uh, let's see. Drink pre-pasteurized. Pre-pasteurized milk, Steve says. That's cute. Before they get it and pasteurize it, drink it then. Yes. Well said. Well done. All right. Let's come back in the bonus round. Talk about what's happening for the rest of the week because we got some updates on that. And uh, anything else you guys have questions or comments about, uh, I want to thank my guests, Jeremy Andrews, as well as first hour, Josh uh, Getzko. And he was cool all the way from Israel. That was a lot of fun with him. I, I had a blast. I like I like scientists with integrity because they also have a sense of humor. The best scientists have a great sense of humor. And I've interviewed many over the years. The sourpusses are usually the ones like Hotez that are not really scientists. <laughs> They're people that cash your check to tell you not to ask questions and that they are the science. We know better. Anyway, you know better. Thank you for being here. God bless you. The power to heal is yours. What's up? Were you here? Are you here with me? Mile alone? It is the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show right on right now. Third, uh, it's Wednesday. The 12th. I, I'm having trouble with the days of the week this week. I'm a bit confused with everything going on. Uh, As am I. <laughs> you are too, because you got some trip <laughs> coming up. So, uh, you is this a, is this trip a longer trip than usual? Don't you usually leave on a Friday? It's a day longer. Yeah, it is a day longer. How did that work uh, this time? It, you kind of everybody timed it better. Or? There's an event taking place where where my son is that is happening on Friday, so we had to accommodate that and make Thursday the travel day. Oh, so what's the event? Is it something everybody can go to? It's yeah, it's a big barbecue thing going on that's been planned and had to happen on Friday. So, but is it like a community thing or just a family? No, thing? it's just it's just a, a family thing. Because I was like, if anybody lives there and they want to crash the party and become part of a different family union, if they uh-huh. can't make it to Joplin, I'm thinking they can join you guys. Yeah, we do that a lot actually. Yeah, you know, my wife is. It's it's it's. <laughs> she she likes to entertain, but she hates it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm hate, saying? Hate. Where it's like, yeah. and she's, you know, everything has to be just right and just perfect and all of this and then mm-hmm. that. And they cross the T's and dot the I's and you got to yeah. have the fancy plates and the, the napkins and the napkin holder and the placemats and the, you know, you got to have a, the, the, the side dish to go with this and, you know, and mm-hmm. everything's handmade. And, you know, and so by the end of the event, you know, she's grown gray hair and, and is, you know, has to, you know, <laughs> drink to get through the, right. the day uh mm-hmm. and so and then what happens is it'll be like okay so uh these people are coming you know it's a family thing we'll have you know whatever and mm-hmm. then it's like oh well you know my neighbors you know they don't have anywhere to go and they were like, okay all right you can, we work. adopt them oh yeah. you know now my, my friend you know they had some friends and they blah blah, blah they want to cover so by the time you know it's time for dinner what normally was going to be 20 people is now 30 people right Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And, What's you know, we, we want to, you know, be nice and, and help people out and, right. you know, share the, the, the festivities and the spirit of the day and all that kind of stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. As we've gotten older, it's more like, ah, I'll tell you what, we'll just go out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Dude. uh, we'll rent a hall or something. But anyway. So yeah, if somebody wants to try and crash it, I don't know. In this in this particular case, I don't think they can. But oh, okay. So it's I, I will not location. tell you where. I, I I cannot give you the address. Just not very nice of you. We have a uh, union elsewhere, and you're not going to do it where you are. Yeah, no. Not open up. We talked to your wife about opening Dude, up. Where yeah. we're going? I was looking at the weather. Yeah, 
It's going to be 107 on Sunday. What? Well, how are you going to deal with that? Air conditioning, but uh, it's just—I mean, the, the the you know the the bar the barbecue is in, is is on Friday, where it's, I think it's supposed to be 98. I saw a tweet from Michael Bolden earlier today about something about air conditioning being broken. But what? Well, I mean, what's the temperature in LA? Seventy-five degrees. Dude, no, they're having a major heat wave. Are they? Having, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's it's not good. Um, oh. And in Phoenix, yeah, it's at the level where they're saying that if they had a power outage, people would die, and it would be on the level of like a Hurricane Katrina type disaster. How much do you rely on electricity? They don't want you to have. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I guess the. Uh, I guess Bill let me Gates. See if I can get alert, the info Bill on Gates it. Gates alert. Population control. Just. I'm not giving you any ideas that you probably haven't already thought of yourself, but uh, get out of Phoenix if you can, uh, just in case. Yeah, it's, not good. it's not good. Yeah. Let's see. Phoenix is in the news. What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, heat. There. I mean, it was drudge. They have a tendency sometimes to... Sensationalize a bit? Much? Let's see. What is the weather in Phoenix right now? Phoenix weather... It is, if I can spell weather correctly. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Just tell me. What, yeah, it's 107 right now in Phoenix. Well, that's not brutal. I mean, that's hot, but that's not danger Phoenix, right? I'm, <clears throat> when it's 117, 120, yeah. I'm well, not saying 107 okay. will right. kill you. I'm okay. not saying that. But. Then, then let's, uh, let's take a look here. Tomorrow it's supposed to be 109. Thursday is supposed to be 113. Friday 116. Saturday 118. Jeez. All right. So now you're this talking. is this is what what I guess the news was is that it was it was the heat wave coming through. Yeah, 100, 109, 13, 16, 18, 17, 15, 14, all the way to uh, next week. It's going to be triple digits. So, yeah, in that situation, I can't even imagine what it would be like if you lost your electricity. I mean, what do you do? Mhm. I mean, I guess you, as long as the water's running, <laughs> you know, well, be the outside water come the, out, come out the, hot, man. In it's the sprinklers and try and find some shade, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, look, this is the reality. And this is what Liam Sheff talked about with the oil alarm and all of that. The only way in a, a city like Las Vegas and or Phoenix exists is, uh, you know, during the six months where it is this way, is electricity and, and, and air conditioning. And if you think solar and wind power is going to be enough, I mean, it, then, of course, you have to destroy the land and rape it for all the minerals, rare earth minerals, for battery technology as well. <clears throat> but the uh, pull on that, you know, this is the whole reason for electric cars is so they can turn them off. It wasn't about saving the environment. It was about we want control over you and we can just, hey, all we have to do is say no more electricity for you. You can't go anywhere, uh, which is not as easy to do with gas. So uh, I just I don't think that's cynical. I think that's real in, in, in their you know, their true colors are, are, are deceptive, of course. So, uh, let's see here. Leslie says it is a uh, hundred a hundred feels like 110. Okay. I, I added her area to my weather alert list just so I can see it. Cause that's where we're going. Let me see if I can find out what it's predicting. We'll see if it's right or not. So she makes a good <clears throat> point here. Well pumps don't run. So if you happen to be on a well, uh-huh. Then um, and you don't have a backup power source of some right. sort. Right, electricity for the well, exactly. And you wouldn't have water, water. either. So now in yeah, Phoenix, you're probably not going to run into that situation because it's a major city. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I'm seeing a high of 92 on Thursday, fr- Saturday. Fr- I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Joplin, not far. So 92 is is hot with humidity, but it's not 100 in humidity. But it's still not going to be super pleasant. But it looks like mostly partly cloudy, some chance of rain, which is pretty typical. Regardless, we're going to have a great time. Get ready to sweat, talking to myself. Okay. Yeah. And that's your weather update from the Robert Scott Bell Show. But seriously, what is going on? You're telling me L.A., where where Michael Bolden is, is is what what kind of temperature is causing them to have have trouble? Because they're not like Phoenix. They can't be like Phoenix. Well, that's Southern California. I mean, that's that's getting down there in the area geographically of, you know, what, latitude, longitude of, of ocean of, breezes. Bolden says it's 90 degrees so far. And your apartment manager gave you a portable AC that's helping. All right. Well, I don't want you to shrink away into nothing, Michael. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, look, to be honest with you, I'm looking at their weather forecast here and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like get up to maybe 90 mm-hmm. on the weekend. That's a nice day. That's well, okay. That's kind of warm, but yeah. if you're a wuss, it's hot. But with low humidity, it's not bad, honestly. Yeah, that's true. I don't mind that at all. Twenty yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, L.A. But yeah, Phoenix is uh, is not in good shape, dude. And I'm sure Vegas as well. And Arizona gets like that. I can remember years ago when uh, first time I went to Arizona. I went. It was around the Lake Havasu area, and it was in the winter. I mean, in the summer. In, mm-hmm. in the, the just the middle of, of summer, August probably, yeah. And um, I had grown, you know, I'd grown up in the Bay Area, and so you know, there, you know, it's it's like you might hit a hundred, and it's like, man, we're having a heat wave, right? Mm-hmm. And we we were driving through Lake Havasu area, and ended up staying the night there at a hotel. And I got out of the car, and there was a bank across the street that had, you know, like the the temperature. Thing that you know, flash on there. It was 111 degrees, and it was 11:30 at night. Mm. And that to me was just like, where, where am I? I've got, yeah. <laughs> where's, where's the guy with the pitchfork? You he know, t- running he around. Took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. That's Man, what he did. 111 yeah. at 11:30 yeah. at night. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't, but it was a very dry heat, mm-hmm. which people laugh when some people laugh when you say that, but it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. At 111, it was like an oven, and yeah. it was it was, but but there was no humidity. Right, dry sauna. And so, it, yeah, it <clears> felt <throat> it felt completely different. Now I could I could go to Louisiana where I live for a year, mm-hmm. and have it be 90 degrees, with you know like 70 percent humidity or something like that, and and want to shoot myself. Yeah, it's more it's more oppressive. I yeah, agree. or when yeah. I lived in Kansas for a while, it was the same mm-hmm. thing, where it was just like you know you you get out of the shower. Yeah. And you dry yourself off, you put on your clothes, you go outside, and you feel like you need to take a shower. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't know. Weather's interesting. Dude, I'm I, just going back on the show. I love that uh, gets go. Josh. Yep. Cool guy, dude. And, and how interesting, how fascinating that came full circle because we got him on the show thanks to Kevin, who's going to go to Israel. and and that, But he's connected to Gopi, who helped put together the Utah Safe and Effective a documentary mm-hmm. that he actually was like, you know, I remember Gopi telling me, Hey, I, I've sent the movie, uh, the cut, the rough cut of the movie to this PhD that I know to fact check. So, and I'm like, 
And it was very meticulous. That's why I felt so comfortable and confident as well in telling everybody, you can share this with doctors and PhDs, the movie. And as I said, we're going to uh, have a special screening in uh, apparently downtown Salt Lake on Tuesday, a week from yesterday. So that would make it, what, the 18th? Uh, 7 o'clock. And uh, if you know anybody in that area that wants to go, it might be uh, a different audience that normally would see that movie. Uh, utahsafeandeffective.org. Of course, you can still see it online, and it's been cut into pieces and snippets of topics, so you can also take bite-sized chunks of it for folks that can't see a whole movie. Uh, but it's an important one, I believe. Steve uh, can handle hot and humid because his liver is strong. That's why. It still sucks. You can handle <laughs> it fine. I can handle a lot still of things. It doesn't like mean it. I want to be. I want to have them happen. Mm-hmm. All right, so tomorrow we've got an encore uh in the second hour but the first hour will be uh brand, Jonathan E-Mord. You brand re- spanking new emord i recorded, recorded that him. yesterday right because you're heading out not to the coast this time but to a family union that no one's invited to thanks a lot super Don. families yeah family not the extended rsb show family no, though that's not. the thing it's very it's not. it wasn't it's not my event we're I'm not just going we're not in the club apparently i'm not in charge so yeah so uh john emord tomorrow yeah and stop grumbling. <laughs> uh, and, and then the encore, I was yeah. thinking, you know what? Um, what? Let us get Paul Hutchinson back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the encore, that was the guy that we had on. He was one of the real dudes from Sound of Freedom. Yes. We talked about the movie before it came out uh, about. The human uh, and trafficking. Also, if I remember yeah. talking about how do we get to the demand side of things. So I think I think that's timely to replay that now that the Sound of Freedom movie is out. Yeah. And, and talk about that. And I don't know what else. Is it a full two hours of that? I don't remember what we did that day. Yeah. Well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll play the second hour. I think we talked about a couple other things, but okay. he was the guest in that hour. Okay. So that'll be the hour two encore for tomorrow. And then I haven't picked out an encore for Friday yet. Okay. Um, I'm going to be bringing my recording equipment. I'm not going to bring the large Rodecaster Pro. I'll bring this the smaller focus right, but I have the two microphone inputs so that when we're together at the uh, RSB Family Union, Leslie, uh, Sherry Neal, there's a whole lot of awesome people that uh, Taryn Gregson, Ben Tapper, we probably could put together an amazing Sunday conversation. Or maybe I can borrow some I'm, of the recording equipment from uh, uh, Leslie. But, I'm going to try and remind you. What? But um, assuming that there's cell service out there. Yeah. Uh, which there should be. Yeah. Um, you need to just do some Facebook Lives or some Instagrams or something like that while you're there. I, when you know, stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, and, and so everybody can see what's going on. You hear that, Leslie? We're going to enlist your six girls that know how to do this. And help well, us to do I'll that. enlist the six girls just to chase you around and remind you, <laughs> um, because it's not like you don't know how to do it, but you always, just, you always forget. So, Leslie, you too. You need to harass Robert. I and, don't. Um, I don't make, forget. And yes, you do. I and, no. I, I here's what I do. I look at my phone and I tell, I think about it, and then I go, hmm. <laughs> and I put it back down. <laughs> that's what happens. I just choose. I'm like, it's like for me, that's like, ah. Uh, you know, if I had a millennial or post-millennial with me, which we will uh, at this event, we could probably do it. But I, I just... Ugh. All right. So, Leslie, yeah. will you please just motivate him? You know what? No pie unless he does oh, no, Instagrams and That's... Facebook Lives from the event all weekend. Though that was the worst thing you could have said. Okay. Now she's gonna no pie. No, I'll be. She, she has to be the pie. See, now you're going to have so many live Instagrams, uh, you're going to get sick of it. 
Yeah. Now so people I can love those. Pie. People love those when they when you do those. Yeah. So you know when every everything that's going on, we want to see those of us who aren't going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, Leslie. She says pie will there be locked go. up now. There Super you Don. Go. Everything I said about admiring you yesterday, I'll take it back. <laughs> It's a pie lockdown. Oh all my right. gosh. Now it's like the whole reason, everything, it's all gone to not Sorry. pie, to pot, I say. Maybe oh man, I, I, I'm i going to be in interesting shape because the flight is at 5.30 in the morning to start. So that means I'm not sleeping much, uh, let's say Thursday night into Friday. So I'm going to be in fun shape when I get there. All right. You'll be all right. So, new Jonathan Eborg tomorrow. Uh, some bonus stuff after that. Some bonus stuff on Friday. But we'll uh, we'll plan to do some uh, Sunday conversations from uh, where we're going to be, Leslie's homestead with James and the and the girls and many other families, which would be fun. And Ben Tapper, right? Ben Tapper's supposed to be there with his family. Yeah. And I got to meet them at, uh, when we were in uh, Loveland, Colorado, as well. Ben's a great guy. I really like him. And his family's great. <clears throat> so we'll see who else is there. Uh, what a good week of shows. What a great week of shows. Frank Cousineau, Cancer Control Society. Tim James yesterday, Chemical Free Body. Uh, Brianna Ladapo. Uh, and that's Ladapo. The, oh, gosh, I cannot get this right. I'm, I've got a complex about it now. Ladapo. <laughs> so bad. I told you. Names Let's go, Ladapo. There you uh, go. All right, I'll try that. There anyway, you go. Brianna was terrific. Loved her. Uh, let's see, earlier in the week, five days ago, in fact, Dr. B. Rudlinger and Michael Bolden, that was last Friday's show, uh, going into the weekend. That was And and Bolden, dagnamit Bolden. I mean, I completely lost track of time. I blame you. We enjoy so much having you that it's like the clock, what clock? Time, what time? Doesn't matter. We just keep going. So uh, I would really suck on radio now knowing that I forget what time it is. Oh, and by the way, I was on radio today. I was interviewed uh, by uh, three people. Uh, they wanted to talk about kidney, renal health, and it, it went deep on science stuff. I was amazed on kidney health and uh, different issues, nitric oxide as well. Um, it was a show out of Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. And if I can find or get the, uh, the podcast link because it goes from radio to podcast, you guys might want to take a listen to that. And Sounds you'll, good. you'll, you'll know why I wish I knew about cardio miracle when my dad, you know, was losing his function, his kidney function. I think he might have still been here, but, uh, anyway, thanks to cardio miracle. Uh, appreciate all your help and support and, um, my ability to kick ass in the kickboxing gym. Thanks a lot to cardio miracle. And now the muscles growing even bigger. Thanks to the super creatine. If you guys haven't tried that from, uh, nutritional frontiers, RSB 15, get a discount. Uh, the topical uh, transdermal. By the way, I should have mentioned that for the question about the shoulder injury. The transdermal CBD that Nutritional Frontiers has the best. So you can put that over the shoulder. I think it was his right shoulder as well to reduce some of the pain in addition uh, to healing the tissue. Uh, and here's the oral uh, CBD I take. The uh, full-spectrum hemp extract oil, certified organic, U.S. grown, Colorado. Mm -mm -mm. Take it from now. Mint flavor. Love it. All right, anything else before we wrap up till tomorrow and Jonathan Emord? No, but um, thanks for tuning in, you guys. I will see you next week. Mm -hmm. 
and I will uh, I I will uh, make sure Robert does some Facebook lives. And please unlock the pie. <laughs> anyway, hmm. thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great uh, extended weekend. Be sure to tune in because mm-hmm. we'll have good stuff on here, even though we won't be here live. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Tune in, please, and share the show. And thanks to all our new patron supporters. We'll see you on the next AMA and enjoy the previous ones. I think you'll learn a lot. We had a lot of good Q&A. So thanks again for being here, y'all. All right. We'll see you guys later.